0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: Is everyone doing out there? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, provide you with reviews of the shows from the past week. We got a big show for you. We're going to be going over TakeOver Night 1 and 2. Uh, we're going to go over AEW. Uh, we got a little bit of news, not much, just some stuff going on over in Japan. And of course, once again, I don't think things will change, but we're going to give our WrestleMania predictions and kind of go into the After Effects of the Monday and, and uh, Friday shows and how they will be going into WrestleMania. Basically, I, on SmackDown and Raw, I, I don't think a lot happened. It was just kind of setting stuff up. Actually, SmackDown had stuff happen compared to Raw. Let me just put it that way. Anyways, I couldn't do this show without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing,
0: sir? Doing great, man. Um, I am ex- so excited to talk about this one giant hand just clapping, clapping tables in half. Uh, I think everyone's excited to hear about that review, so let's let's just get this shit on the road, bud. I'm so excited to talk about wrestling today. All
1: right. Well, speaking about clapping in half, uh, maybe New Japan just clapped in half uh, Kodo Bushi. Uh, so we had the 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 last uh, New Japan, um, whatchamacallit, uh, pay per view. I don't know how I forgot the word pay per view, but anyways, Sakura Genesis, it was this last happened for us over here in the East Coast uh, Saturday night of last week. So Sunday morning, I found out the news that after only one defense, which was the night after the first night where Kodabushi won the IWGP title, uh, he went against Jay White one time, beat him. And after they did all of this with putting the heavyweight title and the intercontinental title and combining them with this new title, uh, Will Ospreay won, which I think is a little bit crazy. Uh, I definitely didn't expect Kota Ibushi to have that short of a run. I kind of hold him, and it's no offense to Evil, but like a little bit higher in regards to the fans and investing, and it seems like he had a similar treatment. Uh, The reason why mainly – that I feel like this, um, and, and a lot of fans do, is because unlike, say, the WWE, uh, usually the belt is held with a bit more prestige. Uh, you know, people tend to hold on to it, and it seems between Naito, Kota Ibushi, um, you know, the pandemic definitely has something to do with it, but EVIL, it's it, they're kind of having shorter title reigns. And even though Shingo Takagi... Uh, you know, let Will Ospreay know that he didn't forget his uh, win over him. It looks like all things are pointed back to Okada, which is definitely the golden boy, and for good reason. We we talk about Okada on a weekly basis. But um, I I feel like Will Ospreay will have a short reign as well, and it'll inevitably go back on Kazuchika Okada. I'm just wondering what does the golden star – Uh, The God of Wrestling, or, you know, do next, uh, especially in Japan with Kota Ibushi, did New Japan kind of lose uh, as much invested interest as they already had, or uh, is this just a case of, you know, that that's what they had to do with the storyline? I have a lot of faith in Gato, uh, but just based, like I said, in the last year and a half, they have had some questionable things that they've done booking-wise, so... With Kota Ibushi, I thought he was extremely over, but then again, I thought Naito was too, so um, I don't know. Do you think this, Chris, is a sign that inevitably the belt is coming back to the Rainmaker? What do you, how do you feel about Kota Ibushi losing, and then also Will Osprey winning, which I'm very happy for.
0: Well deserved. If, if anyone in that company, let's say, earned a title, it's Will Ospreay, right? So fuck it, it's great that he won the title. To me, this points more towards New Japan and uh, AEW working together, which we've been talking about and talking about and talking about. And now you have opened up two slots to get there. I'm not surprised. I, I didn't think it would be this short of a reign for Kota. Um, obviously, he, he wants to do something with Kenny. And and uh, I think that the entire world wants to see him do something with uh with Kota and and same thing with uh, Kazuchika Okada, I, I you know Okada two months ago told us he was like I'm coming for that title, so I think that's probably our Wrestle Kingdom matchup is you know like the student versus teacher Okada versus Will Osprey. I think Will Osprey might go on a little run here, but maybe in between we get to see some mix up with AEW and 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 Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi. So that to me is very, very intriguing. And I feel like there has to be a reason why they're doing this. And and that to me makes perfect sense of why they're maybe hot shotting the title, especially if you're talking a New Japan sense.
1: Yeah. Kota would be a great addition um, to come over here and definitely have some matches with already a heated rivalry. Well, not really heated last time they were friends, but they can kind of go into that about Kenny leaving and that being a big you know, thing within their relationship and friendship, um, and kind of just go into something very right away. But, you know, then does Kotabushi kind of cut in line a bit, um, with AEW or do you kind of build it up, you know, who or does he align with Kenny? There are a lot of things they can do. Obviously Okada's the number one person I, I think that would make a huge I feel like if you put Okada and Tanahashi or someone, if you bring over here, that's going to be something that that more than fans can get intrigued by. Someone that hasn't watched maybe American Wrestling, um, where Kota Bushi's pretty big, and especially to the the fan uh, of of you know Kenny and his saga and everything, uh, he's he's a big deal. But I don't know to the level of Okada especially, and I, I wonder, you know, you say Wrestle Kingdom, but I feel like if Okada goes against Will Ospreay, it might be sooner than that, and he might take the title off of him, like even, say, in the summertime. So I, I don't know, but one thing that was cool before I pass it to you is that uh, AJ Styles uh, posted a picture of Will Ospreay holding the uh, Rev Pro belt and the IWGP belt and a picture of uh, AJ Styles doing the exact same thing and just gave him a shout-out, uh, you know, and obviously, Will Ospreay was very happy about that and called him a huge inspiration. So that was really cool of AJ. And I'm glad to know that he's still keeping up with New Japan Wrestling.
0: Dude, that was so cool. He was like, hey, y'all, I- I'm from Gainesville, Georgia, and I-, I love winning championships over there in Japan. <laughs> Shout out to my home home county, Hall County. Uh, man, it's such-, it's such a crazy, crazy thing because I did not expect it this soon. But there's so many things. If they're really going to do something with AEW, it's it's kind of the perfect time, right? Even if you want to bring Kota over for a while and have Kenny maybe turn his back on Kota or Kota turn his back on Kenny because he just thinks he's being dastardly. And then you can bring in, like, Okada as a tag partner to go against this nasty, nasty bullet club, right? Like Japan versus America kind of thing. I, there's a, so much cool stuff they could do. And, and the reason I say that I... I Osprey's been deserving a run for a long time. So I do feel like they're going to give him a run. Um, I, I feel like that, that Okada will be in line down the line. Like he could win G1. You know what I mean? And, and then we're looking at Wrestle Kingdom. I, I thought Koda was literally going to hold it this entire year. So they surprised me by him dropping the <laughs> title, which, which makes me think that he's going to... Uh, That this American, uh, the the American version of Kota Bushi and Okada, maybe even Tanahashi, will kick in the gear sooner rather than later.
1: Hey, man, definitely would love to see Kota over here kind of join up with Kenny, maybe get outed quickly, and then it become between him and then maybe his old, you know, you, you say Okada, I'm down for that too, but like maybe his old tag partner, uh, Tanahashi shows up to get his back, the, uh, open way champion, uh, realizing also, if you bring guys over here, you're going to get a lot more eyes on your American based new Japan product, uh, that has a lot of great people like Tomatonga, um, you know, Tonga, Tama Tonga, Tonga Lo, Juice Robinson and David Finley, who are currently the impact tag champions and also Kenta, but you know, it's not going to it's not gonna hurt if you got Kota Ibushi or Tanahashi and then they're teaming up to go against, say, whatever the hell you want to call this, the Bullet Club, the Elite. But stuff we'll talk about probably more so when we get to AEW. Um, I have a lot to say about that at the end of the show. But, yeah, regardless, <laughs> I, I think, Chris, we're excited where they're going. I kind of feel bad a little bit for Kota Ibushi, but if it includes him coming over here. I'm down for that as well. All we really want basically is Okada over here. <laughs> that's the uh that's the that's the number one man. And honestly, I love Will Ospreay. I hope he has a great run. But if Okada takes that title back, he just he's someone that brings that thing to like an eleven. To eleven. We go to eleven.
0: Yeah, I mean, if anyone's proved that the title was better around his waist, it's Okada, right? Like, we were talking about, like, the short reigns of Omega and Naito and and now uh, Kokoda Ibushi, and and you're like, you remember who didn't have a short reign? (laughs) Kazuchika Okada. Nope. Uh, Yeah, so it, it's so interesting to me, man. It's, I feel like they have to be do, doing something with the Golden Lovers, especially with Kota being such a baby face in Japan. Like uh, he comes over and I think he can play that sympathetic baby face if needed to be thrown into this weird mashup of all these Gaijin wrestlers from Japan or ex-Gaijin wrestlers from Japan where he just is kind of like the odd man out. And, and build that up, and he brings people in. I, I feel like it's weird that you're taking John Moxley out of the equation, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, and also, like, what the, what the fuck, man? Where's Suzuki? <laughs> Wait, what, what are we doing here?
1: <laughs> That's definitely number four. That's the, after – well, Naito as well, but I'm just saying when, when you're talking about, like, Kodobushi would be fun, Tanahashi would be fun, Okada would be amazing – Minor Suzuki over in AEW fucking someone up would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, maybe getting in Taz's face,
0: especially if they gave the licensing to the build up with him and Moxley, right? Absolutely. Like, if you're gonna trade, like him showing up as Mox like or Eddie Kingston's partner because he has this respect for Moxley, would be to me is cooler than like a Kota Ibushi at this point. At least in that storyline, like I'll yeah. still pop if Koda shows up, you know. But
1: or. Uh, I- Mox still has that that uh, what you call it um, title, the U.S. title. Maybe Suzuki comes up and fucks him up
0: and wants that title. Yeah, I mean he may want that title, but he probably doesn't want to lose it from someone that's getting beat down every week on TV. That, that doesn't seem very Suzuki like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like Minoru Suzuki would be like, all right, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna beat the shit out of these guys with you, and then we'll fight for the title. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. Uh, it's just... it's Suzuki is uh, an evil bastard. I had to like look this up just right now, off the cuff of everything. I have to know if Suzuki and Walter have ever had a match. No! Damn it, man. How does this stuff not happen when everyone was on the indies?
0: Anyways, alright, let's... uh. What, the million years that Suzuki's on the indies, in quotation? Because <laughs> it's like 175 years old. <laughs>
1: Dude, he's so violent. He's just so, so violent. Anyways, uh, let's move on to just one more news thing. It's kind of related to TakeOver, and we'll go into TakeOver after that. Um, I just thought it was a cool concept in itself, and just, you know, some signees that NXT has gotten that has been pretty big buzz uh, for one of them in particular. Um, the Stevenson – or I'm sorry, the Stevenson brothers, uh, Gable and Bobby Steveson uh, – The reason why I think this is awesome is because um, they premiered Gable, uh, at least in the audience. He's going to be on the U.S. Olympics team, Um, collegiate wrestler. He won the Dan Hodge Award uh, for his wrestling skills. Uh, He's got stats that rival Brock Lesnar. He's a big dude. Stephanie was in the audience with him. And his brother Bobby, who has pretty damn good credentials himself, has been training there for a long time as well. This was brought up on, I think, every one of the, uh, the big PR calls uh, talked about with, um, with Triple H about their signing. And uh, obviously, Gable's going to be uh, probably busy with uh, the, the Olympics coming up soon. But other than that, you know, as far as these guys being in NXT, someone brought it up. Um, maybe this could be like a, a modern Steiner Brothers type of situation. Except for, you know, no offense to Steiners, I'm sure they had great credentials. These guys rival some of the biggest wrestlers, you know, in today's stuff, uh, including Brock Lesnar back when he was doing, you know, me- messing shit up over in Minnesota. So kind of exciting, um, you know, and, and the one thing that Triple H said, because someone asked them about like the, the Steveson, if they could be like the next uh, Steiner Brothers type of concept and he's and brought up. Triple H was like, well, the funny thing is we also have Rick Steiner's son, Bronson Rick Steiner, as a part of the uh, the lineup as well, and he was a collegiate wrestler and football player, so they have a lot of, you know, along with Parker Bardot, who obviously has a striking resemblance to Brock Lesnar, comes from a wrestling and also mainly a football background, some big up-and-coming athletes, uh, especially with the Stevenson brothers, uh, I'm really Looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with them. And it makes me even more excited for this Evolve show, because I feel like that's where a lot of these guys are going to cut their teeth, is on, um, you know, uh, Gabe Sapolsky's show. So just wanted to throw that. I don't even know. This is kind of one of those random ones that I got intrigued by, Chris. And I don't know if you even knew about this. I don't know if you saw Stephanie kind of introduce Gable. But regardless, you know, hearing about this, are you excited about someone who's won the Dan Hodge award. That's this big and leveled in, in collegiate wrestling that st- stats rival Brock Lesnar uh, is going to be a part of the Olympic team and his brother, who's a damn good wrestler as well, are going to be a part of NXT co- uh, coming
0: soon. I, I think it's incredible and I'm super excited about it. And I like that someone posed the question to Triple H. She's like, is this going to be like our new Steiner brothers? Cause Holy shit, dude. What have I been talking about wrestling needing for a long time? This big, dominant tag team, like the Steiners or the Road Warriors. If you do that right in NXT, who needs a shot in the arm with a tag team division, it could be incredible. It really, really could. So uh, I'm excited for this. And and maybe NXT's been listening to the podcast. Do you think Triple H has been listening to the podcast? Uncle Uncle H has been listening to us, bud.
1: Well, actually, once in a while I try to listen, but uh, you know, sometimes I tune out because you guys are full of shit.
0: Fair, fair enough triple H fair enough. <laughs> no I, I mean all jokes aside it, it's I think it's awesome and uh, anytime you can get someone with the collegiate background it seems like it translates way better in the ring um, I mean you, you just look over the years and see all of the college athletes they have the Shelton Benjamins the uh, Jack the Jake Hagers the, or Jack Swagger as they would call him. Uh, Charlie Haas, like uh, uh, Kurt Angle, obviously being being the head. I think you can translate that as the best you you want to translate it to. So it just depends on how much of a a guy they want him to be. I think the last thing we got anywhere close to this, at least this hype with collegiate athletes or you know Olympic athletes, was American Alpha, and everyone yeah. loved American Alpha in NXT, right? So. If you guys can do something really cool, I- I'm on board, man. I'm completely on board. I think this is awesome.
1: I'm even down for, say, this is completely fantasy booking, but doing something similar to – and you can have it as a heel team or a babyface team, but uh, don't call it the Varsity just because there's a Varsity Blondes, but the Varsity Club. Uh, you know, Varsity Club was Dr. Dust, Steve Williams, Rick Steiner. um Oh, man, I can't remember Bray Wyatt's dad. Mike Rotunda and and Kevin Sullivan was like the lead. So if you want to maybe put these guys all on a team, put them with uh, Bronson Richsteiner Steiner, Rick Steiner's, uh, you know, son, and maybe have Chad Gable, since who gives a fuck what he's doing right now over there, come down and be like the coach mentor like he's doing with Otis, but with these guys and actually be a dominant uh, foursome of all you know, collegiate wrestlers and top-of-the-line athletic specimens that just dominate, something along those lines.
0: Yeah, man, I I completely agree with you. The only thing I'm worried about is if they go from the Stevenson brothers to the the Richardson brothers, and then they're just the dicks. Uh, Let's not let them get a hold. (laughs) Let's not let WWE get a hold of the, the names on this one.
1: Also, if, if you're going to have this guy, he's going to be part of the Olympics. You know, if you want to change, I guess, maybe his first name because you have a Chad Gable, Gable, whatever, maybe you, you want to do that. That's fine. But especially if you have him as a tag team, keep their last name. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't keep their last name, especially with the credibility brings you back to Olympic wrestler.
0: Um, and Stevenson's a pretty cool last name, honestly. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're going for that, like, Olympic thing like you said and uh, you know what don't debut him until after the Olympics like what if this dude shows up and just wrecks ass at the Olympics right Um, granted the Olympics have to happen which is a whole different conversation for a different day but uh, like let maybe let the olympics breathe before you bring him in you know what i mean let let him yeah. run through all those trials and and have a good run become like a, a even if it's like a bronze or a silver medalist hopefully he wins gold let's go usa uh, but you know what i mean let let that breathe before you bring him in give it a couple months but i think this is a really cool signing and obviously they Triple H is out here uh, trying to sign people that people aren't thinking about. He's trying to make different m- moves, like with football players and uh, maybe things that are skating a little under the radar outside of the indie scene, which I think is really cool. And I think get, well, with AEW, it's a little hard to say because they have like a bazillion people on their roster in one TV show. But with WWE, it is kind of smart to go out and hunt these guys down. Uh, who could be the next Kurt Angle, right? So uh, it is, it's really cool, and it's really cool that he's acknowledging it on phone calls and being excited about it. I think that's uh that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I would definitely recommend the, uh, the press conferences. Uh, the ones that they did after the show, Triple H, was with Shawn Michaels, so a lot of the questions were directed uh, towards both of them, and uh, a lot of cool information. Uh, one thing that was said, uh, and who knows if this is true or not, but – Between the questions, there was three people in specific, uh, Io Shirai, Adam Cole, and, oh man, I can't remember who the other person that lost, it's been there for a while. Um, He kind of assured that just because they lost, that doesn't mean necessarily they're leaving NXT anytime soon. So I don't know if there's, if that's just BS that he's going to put out there anyways, but he kind of seemed really reassured that Adam Cole and EO are not going anywhere. Do you believe that, Chris?
0: To some extent, I do. I think they want to see what those top people will do on that Tuesday night show against AAW. I know that's crazy to say, but I don't know. Like Taking away a bunch of talent after you've gotten a couple wins in the demographics and stuff, as we've seen over the past two weeks, uh, I don't know that you necessarily want to dial that back, knowing that you have a new NXT show coming. I I mean, I would love EO to show up on the main roster. I think it's time, specifically with EO, more than kind of anyone else. Um, But, I mean, would you be upset if they didn't show up on the main roster, knowing there's a second NXT show and as good as NXT is and can be? I guess that's the real question here, because otherwise you're just looking at, you know, they do need to move along with that with Adam Cole and Io Shirai. But if you're going to build something else with them on a different show or or do something new, I think there's a lot of fun potential there. We're just I mean, I think the biggest thing with Io specifically is we've seen all the matchups. So her going to the main roster would make sense. But like when she gets to the main roster, who's she going to go against like Sasha and Bailey, I guess that's kind of it.
1: You know, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, maybe they're better off where they are <laughs> because there is that fear that even though Sean and, and Hunter have kind of groomed Adam Cole to be the, you know, he already was amazing, but really to, the, to level. And I think that even though people don't think that, you know, Vince would see something in him because of his size, I don't necessarily agree with that based on, like I say, Hunter and Sean and Michaels, but same time it does scare me that one of the best heels and one of the best on the mic would be completely shoved to the side for whatever based on a lot of stuff that we've seen Keith Lee being probably the most recent um I guess Matt Riddle as well but I don't even remember liking Matt Riddle I don't like him so much now um (laughs) because I did I did for a little while in NXT but Uh, You know, you know what I'm saying, though? And same thing with Io. Like, what does he go? Oh, here's a Kabuki Warriors part two. Like, you know, it's it's scary uh, being a part of a brand. And it was good for NXT. It wasn't by much. Both of them actually were pretty down, but they got the uh, overall, you know, ratings uh, on television over AEW their last time against each other. You do need some stars on your program, and they're going to be unopposed now by themselves, you know, doing numbers. So maybe they do need Adam Cole and the Shirai still in the mix. I just don't know what you would do with Adam Cole unless you just, you know, get him the belt again. Because let's face it, you know, Adam Cole is Adam Cole. So even though a fucking Killer Cross has it now, I don't know what the was going to happen. He's going to murder everyone, Chris.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully so. He's going to just continue his murderous streak of being I want him, amazing. I want him to go undefeated and like Oscar,
1: just go up to whenever he does, if he does go to the main roster, which I think that he's a little more obvious than others, uh, just like Oscar go up there undefeated and just drop
0: the belt that way. I mean, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Totally down for that. Uh, hey man, it's kind of, it's kind of funny the way you you said that with, you know, we have the new NXT show going up and, uh, I, let's let's talk a little bit about these ratings. First and foremost, do you think there's any fear if you're a W to this show? Because I look, I, I listen to Wrestling Observer Live and a few other podcasts, and they kind of just discredited how big these shows were um, by saying, like, well, that just means that only like five five thousand people are watching on Peacock, which I think is a ridiculous number. I think there's probably way more people watching on Peacock than uh, is getting thrown out there in the media. We're not ever going to get those numbers. But I think that Volter champa match is probably closer to a million. I, I think when they put out really good content, especially if you can go somewhere and stream it, it's way bigger than people are saying. And we're never gonna get those numbers. But like the, the idea of like NXT being up by like, you know, thirty thousand from the week before uh <laughs> because fans are too dumb to turn on peacock is ridiculous to me. I don't know if you've heard this in the news, but Uh, It seems like they're like, well, look, the ratings didn't change that much. It's like maybe they did. Like, that's kind of a weird. I watched it on Peacock and I normally watch on TV because there was no commercials.
1: I watched it on Peacock. Yep. I don't know, man. Uh, It's a weird thing. I'm just glad, you know, because I like NXT, but I, I hate this whole NXT AEW type of thing because the same fans that liked NXT because of the same type of qualities you know, didn't have a problem with it until it became separate. And then the NXT fans, you know, all of a sudden disliked AEW. I just don't like that side of it. And when it comes to ratings, you know, I I don't know. I think the fact that they publicized more, uh, some of the times that they have beaten AEW, the couple times, or gotten close to beating, it's when they said they were having some type of pay-per-view. This one happens to be the big one that's right before WrestleMania – so just, uh, this, I guess maybe it just got more viewers. I'm just happy on the way out. They just get a win. It's just kind of nice. Now AEW can do their thing on their night and NXT can do their thing on their night. And we're going to have wrestling, you know, uh, on every fucking night of the week now. <laughs> and honestly, it just goes, it goes to show you, it doesn't matter what the critic is, who it is, but it, it to back an argument, I feel like the ratings matter sometimes and they don't to kind of – not an argument, but like uh, to hmm. cater towards their idea or whoever it is. They'll, they'll go to the ratings to help out, and sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll say that they don't matter to help out their argument.
2: Yeah, I
0: agree with you. It's just weird to me that people have been discrediting Peacock, like only 5,000 people watched on Peacock, which just sounds crazy to me which I I continuously hear. They're like, how much bigger do you think the number if you include Peacock is? And and it's not just Observer. I'm not just sitting on Brian or Meltzer. It's other people as well. They're like, well, the number stayed kind of the same of their audience. And it's like, well, did it though? Like, you're guessing that it stayed the same. And uh, especially Brian, because he's on this uh, whole like, well, if people are really watching it, are they streaming it? Whatever. You can't just say my friends streamed it. You know, that's not really an argument. Where are the metrics? But at the same time, it's like you're not getting any metrics. You know that there's no way that you believe there wasn't at least a one hundred thousand people watching this thing on Peacock. Yeah, there had to have been. Um... So <laughs> it's uh, we're going to see how that plays out. I, I mean, here, here's the thing. Are you going to watch a takeover on TV versus Peacock knowing that one is has no commercials?
1: Unless you have no plans to get Peacock, which I guess there's some simpletons, but, you
0: know. I feel like if you're an NXT fan, you're just going to get it, right?
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree funny, with
0: you. Because, And like, they had...
1: Their viewership still was was not high, but it was higher than AEW. They were, at like, what, six, seven, 752, I believe? So it wasn't like it was low on television anyways. And, yes, Peacock, they obviously had... A large viewership because all the diehards are going to go to that. So I don't know. Maybe I mean, uh, maybe they maybe WWE sent paychecks to everyone in certain cities to just turn on their their TV station on
0: USA at eight o'clock <laughs> to get they, a rating for. It. They sent everyone in Detroit. Well, it was it Silverdome? They sent everyone a free <laughs> ticket to have closed circuit TV inside of the Silverdome, and Hogan was there, and that's how they got the rating. I mean, like. I'm not saying that there's any bias on this stuff, but it, it is kind of weird that you would just discredit the fact that like, there was probably a lot more people watching than, you know, the 752,000 for the Walter versus Choppa match. Like, let's be honest. That's a big ass match, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying that they broke a million. I'm just saying that number that's getting floated around, probably not the actual number for other, not conspiracy th- fans out there, but, uh, you know, Let's settle it back down to Earth, fans. I guess. <laughs>
1: well, let, let's also just say that ratings-wise, in general, a six six hundred and eighty-eight thousand for Dynamite, and even seven hundred and sixty-eight thousand for for what should call it NXT. It's not something that really like you know. Oh, we got the better one. It's still wrestling's down in general. So. I don't know. That's why, like I said, I'm happy these guys are not going to have this type of rivalry. They're going to be uh, – I want to see both of them hit a million, and I think AEW definitely can do it uh, unopposed. Uh, if they don't have a wrestling program at the same time where it's splitting people like me or you who wants to, wants to see what the hell's going on, I think that they're going to do better. I think that's an obvious concept for both companies.
0: It has to be both companies, man, because not everyone is going to tune in for an extra two hours of their day. They're just going to pick one or the other. Right. So no. hopefully that splits it up and, and makes it better all around. I will say that if you watched AEW over NXT this week, you watched the wrong fucking show because one was really good and the other one was completely mediocre and had 40 minutes of Chris Jericho.
1: Yeah. Something else I have to get into as well. You know, you know what really builds up a heel team coming back two weeks later, beating their ass in the next week, completely running down every single member, especially if you're a babyface. I don't fucking know, but um, that's uh, <laughs> that's not for this time.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Jericho, I will say Jericho's 40 minutes of promo while entertaining at the same time, like, NXT TakeOver was happening. <laughs> it seems like they just phoned it out this week, if I'm being honest, Dan. Well,
1: let's see. We're gonna go over first NXT, um, and uh, let's get into it. I didn't watch either of the pre-show matches. I know Zoe Stark uh, with a really, apparently a really good match. They were raving about it on um, Busted Open. Ten uh, minute match against Tony Storm in which she actually got a win. So that's a uh, big for Zoe Stark. They've seen a lot in her. That was the other person. Someone was like, "Oh, so Tony Storm took a loss to Zoe Stark. What does that mean? Is she going back to the UK?" And he's like, "No, that means that she just." elevated zoe stark that we have one of the deepest women's division i mean you know i i i guess that's the question you know i'm not gonna do that for i think the other pre-show match with it but is that like a a perception of, of fans maybe even we think like that that if someone like knew that's up and coming that they obviously something in like a zoe starks beats tony storm that means that that that's bad like is that is that granted chris
0: normally i would say fans are just being assholes but with the fact they have booked tony really hard in the past and just gave her that weird heel turn it i I could see fans being a little weird on this one her taking a loss and maybe she is getting shipped back to the uk i don't think it's far fetched I, i could see where your mind would draw that it's a strong win for zoe Starks and obviously they're super behind her um But yeah, if you're like a Tony Storm fan, I I don't know what this means for Tony Storm. I also will say it's the fucking pre-show. So in WWE's mind, it's the pre-show. So whatever happens there doesn't actually exist. Whatever happens on the pre-show stays on the pre-show. I I will say, before we get too deep into this, I didn't watch either of these pre-show matches because I started a little late, and you can't rewind on Peacock or start from beginning. So... (laughs) Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to miss your match, but I, I totally did. Blame it on your, your network. Fucking the
1: cock, man. The cock is such a pain in the ass. That's what I'm calling it from now on is the cock. Uh, shortened it. Just gave it a little <laughs> bit of abbreviation. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> so anyway, I, also, no,
1: <laughs> I love not being able to watch this. You know, I wanted to watch a couple of matches again, so I go to Peacock, which I can't because Amazon's a pain in the ass watch on my fucking fire stick so I gotta watch on my Xbox which is fine I just like to do two things at once because I'm a weirdo and I go to watch takeover again and I want to get to the Walter match and oh you can't you can't just go match by match you gotta you gotta fast
0: forward it this is bullshit <laughs> I you know, I hated the the last change they made to the network. So, I people should have already known that I was going to be pissed when this happened cuz the previous company is the same company that ran D, Disney and Hulu, which is like if you remember the if you remember uh, the WWE network maybe even a year ago, how much better it worked than the past year. So, seeing them sell it and going to Peacock uh Look, WWE fans, let's rise up. Let's let's not just let Peacock put on whatever the hell they want on this app and, and let it operate however they want. I think we all need to stand together, tell them it's bullshit, get the content we want, don't let them censor everything, uh, the entire wrestling uh, library. And uh, yeah, we should have. I don't know if it's a pre if it's a it's a event that's been recorded for more than two days. We should have a match skip. You know, like fucking people do that on YouTube for free with timestamps. So like, get better, I guess. No excuses. Yeah. And give
1: us Adam Cole's old theme music back, you sons of bitches. That's WWE. Well, you too, you motherfuckers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And also, DDP's theme should always be that fake smells like teen spirit. Damn it. Let's take them to court, dang. (laughs) Yeah. Get Tony Khan to pay for it. Damn it. Well, you know, at least we know the Bernie Lee tribute will always be that Tom Waits song because he just bought the shit out of it. So good on you, AEW, on that one. Yeah. Why didn't anyone hire Jim Johnson? Was he just like, I'm done. Fuck this. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to go and create actual music that's not like wrestling theme music. You know what I mean? Hey, Steve Austin's theme music is actual fucking music. I know. Well... You, you know how Stephen Cowell like made a lot of his money and became kind of the de facto person from American, uh, America's Got Talent or whatever the hell show he does? Is that he was one of the original producers that would take on those WWE theme songs, like those WWE CDs that no one else would touch? That was him. Like he would just grab those up and do it, and he made so much money off of it, which is very smart.
1: I just want to let you know that your music is absolutely garbage. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> But I'll make sure it's a theme for someone's <laughs> song in the future.
0: I just imagine him sitting in a in a lobby listening to Sexy Boy, and he's like, God damn it.
1: <laughs> God damn. Oh, he can't even sing. He's not a singer, he's a wrestler. Michael PSA's talking him how to sing.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the gimmick they were going for. <laughs> Some's like, Oh, I'll get it now. <laughs> oh, it's supposed to be
1: terrible. Great. Fucking Jim Joneson. Alright, let's uh let's let's do this. Uh first match, uh one of my favorite matches, and part of the reason why I think, in my personal opinion, night one beat night two uh overall uh for their card. But uh it, it wasn't even it was ten minutes and thirty-nine seconds, but an awesome match with Pete Dunn and Kushida. And basically the story is Kushita's working on the arm, obviously to get Pete Dunn down uh, with one of his arm bars or uh, the uh, hooverboard lock, and Pete Dunn's working the, the the hands and trying to dislocate his fingers, his, his, uh, his elbow, you know, pretty much just torturing him everywhere. This was an awesome match because it started off with just wrestling, chain wrestling, and then kept on going up a beat with, being extremely fast-paced, but also still being grounded with wrestling and just reversing armbar to armbar. And, you know, Pete Dunne was a beast in it. And uh, Kushida looked great. I thought this was an awesome match, uh, even though he lost it. Um, just just a pretty, uh, pretty standard, awesome technical match between uh, two of the best, and uh, Pete Dunne won. And, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, That was pretty much it. Uh, Chris, how would you feel about this match? These are definitely two of your favorites, I would say.
0: I think for the time giving and it being in an opening slot, I thought it was a very, very good match. Uh, Maybe too much hand stuff, Pete Dunn. What? (laughs) Maybe too too much hand stuff. (laughs) We'll get into this later on the show as well. Uh, But outside of that, there's that one spot where – Kushida is going for I don't know if it's like an arm bar or if he's going for the hooverboard lock standing up and Pete Dunn is just standing and, and holding the ropes and Kushida transitions so that the ref can't break it up so he transitions from one side of his body to the other side of the body to put the, uh, the the submission hold on I've never seen that I'm sure it's happened in wrestling but I thought that was really cool there's a bunch of really cool spots in this match um, I can't wait for the rematch man they seem like they had great chemistry together It was everything I wanted. I mean, I would love for this match to be like 20 minutes, but, you know, that's asking a lot. But, uh, you know, with the time given and the match they gave, gave, I think it was fine. Uh, The joint manipulation thing versus the submission stuff. um, In retrospect, once we get to the Volter match, the selling is probably the the best (laughs) because goddamn Volter sold his hand like an entire match later on. Uh, but outside of that, I, I you know, I thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, definitely want to see more from these two guys going forward. Um, you know, give us a best of uh, five with the two of them just doing amazing technical matchups, getting more time and maybe building towards whatever pay-per-view they have in the future. Even one of those, uh, you know, ones they can put on USA, one of the mini ones that they tend to do. But um, yeah, I definitely like this match.
0: Yeah, real quick before we move along, I will note that they did ground Kushida for the most part. So he wasn't flying around the ring like he normally would.
1: God, but he is so good, man. Uh, just in general, just throwing a lot of those aerial maneuvers to, to make this the, the pace fast, but to go right into an arm lock or, you know, right into an arm bar, just whatever. Like even the one that he does off the top ropes every single time is amazing going into the Hoover board lock, it's just, they're both really good, I do agree though, man, um, the finger thing, for, for, for a little while it was cool, but like, you know, I think him and Marty Skrull kind of overdid it a bit, I would kind of back up on that, uh, he did something based on the fingers that Wade uh, Barrett called out, but he attacked the fingers, it was like a completely jolt in the arm that was going after not only the fingers, but the elbow and the shoulder to kind of like try to pop them all out of place. So I kind of wish you would do stuff like that, but the breaking and especially when, I don't know if he was the one who did it or someone else where they would make every, Oh no, no. I think it was Pentagon. Everyone shush. And then he would break the fingers. I'm kind of over finger uh, maneuvering. Okay.
0: That sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. Me too, bud. I've been over finger maneuvering for years as a married man. Uh... <laughs> I'm not going to even say anything. (laughs) All all joking aside, uh, they did save something. So if they want to go back to this match, what I was saying about Kushida not being as airborne, that could be his excuse for the next match. He was like, well, yeah, I only fought you technical. But now if I open up my entire arsenal, there's your next match, right? Because they really did. Like, if, if you go back and watch that match, it was Kushida just basically being ground Kushida. There is that other element of Kushida just going batshit and flying off the ropes.
1: Yep. But regardless, definitely like the match. All right. We had next, the six man gauntlet eliminator match. Uh, the winner to receive a North American uh, championship match uh, on night two against the champion, Johnny Gargano. Um, this, I liked, I like the way that they did this because they paced it. So instead of having to wait to eliminate a person for the next person to come out, they just came out at different uh, time periods. I thought that Isaiah Swerve Scott really stuck out uh, throughout the whole entire match. To me, he was the MVP of it. I didn't like, once again, I mean, I know he got pretty much everyone's finisher to go into it, but I don't like, I didn't like how LA Knight lost. Um, The funny thing is I was going with LA Knight as my prediction of winner, but I definitely said that Isaiah could uh, be the person that upsets that And I thought that, you know, um, Bronson Reed made a lot of sense as well. So it came down to literally uh, Bronson Reed and Isaiah Swerve Scott and Bronson won. Um, Pretty good stuff. There was a spot between the two of them that was gnarly as shit that Bronson Reed would continue to bring into the next match against Gargano, where basically Isaiah Swerve Scott body slammed him off the top fucking ropes onto the apron and just right into his ribs it looked gnarly as hell and honestly someone that big i don't know if i need to see someone do a, uh, a spot like that uh, i also will give dexter loomis a little bit of credit that this uh, he seems like he's slowing stuff down and not doing his crazy of stupid shit so i appreciate that because some of that stuff was unnecessary although he tried to do the cactus um clothesline uh, that Moxley also does and did perfectly on the same like around the same time on AEW and got his legs like caught and I thought he was gonna fall on his head. So uh maybe not do that maneuver. Maybe uh since it was very apparent on the press calls that Undertaker is making his way over to NXT he can help out some of these bigger guys, i.e. uh specifically Dexter Loomis. But uh yeah, other than that I thought Leon Ruff was really good too. I like that rotating corkscrew, uh, stunner that he did to Isaiah Swerve Scott off the top of the, um, uh, the announce table. Um, a lot of good stuff in this. Like I said, don't really know what the hell they're doing with LA Knight, Um, but I was okay with Bronson Reed. I just kind of was even rooting for Isaiah Swerve Scott throughout the match more and more. Um, and there was also Cameron Grimes trying to pay people once again to, uh, you know, help him out and whatnot. So I was wondering, Chris, what'd you think about the match, obviously? But do you think that that's real money that, you know, Vince told Triple H he had to use real money and Triple H was like, well, dad, uh, are you going to send me some? And he was like, ha, 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 you take it out of your bank account. So he's got now Triple H, he's got Cameron Grimes' (laughs) ball sweat, his ball
0: sweat and his taint sweat on his dollar bills. Maybe it was fake. Dollar dollar bill, (laughs) y'all. Um, I, I will, I'm going to start this out by saying Swerve Scott and uh, Leon Ruff carried a lot of this match, and I thought it was a good match. L.A. Knight looked like a fucking geek. He came out cutting a promo in the middle of the match and immediately got killed. Like, that—that that is my memory of L.A. Knight in this match. Did, it, did something else happen where I'm supposed to care about this guy?
1: I mean, he got a little bit of advancement towards a couple people, but then just really basically pissed them all off, and they fucking... Beat the crap out of him. After he I think he eliminated someone and then turned around and all of them were just like, Yeah, we're gonna ping pong you and then Cameron Grimes, Isaiah Swerb Scott both did their finishers and he got fucking sent on
0: by Bronson Reed. Yeah, I just it feels bad for uh LA Drake. Kinda of, I, I feel like he's a pincushion right now. Maybe he'll get moved to that other NXT product and can have a better run. Uh outside of that, I mean Bronson Reed looks good. I mean, the match itself was fine. Um I don't know. It's it's one of those weird multi man battle royal matches I'm never super excited about. Uh but there was some good shit within the match itself. So it's worth the watch. If you're a fan of any of these guys, like they all worked their ass off and it was a good match, but just kind of not my match and uh I'm not a huge fan of LA King just getting jobbed out, I guess. I feel like there's more that you can do with him, like other than what they've been doing with him.
1: Oh, I completely agree. What did you think about that gnarly spot when it got down to swerve against Bronson Reed where he had him up on top, went over to the outside, and then fucking body slammed Bronson Reed's huge ass on the fucking apron, which they would use kind of as an excuse that Bronson was hurting on those ribs when he went went against Gargano. thought that was kind of unnecessary, honestly, (laughs) with someone that big.
0: I agree with you. I mean, at least it, it built up to the match with him and Gargano, right? So out of, out of shit to do, at least that made sense. It wasn't just like, here, we're going to do a spot. Um, so at least they were building towards something in the future. But yeah, it was, it was a bit ridiculous. Kind of scary. Bronson Reed, uh, a couple spots in this match. Not saying he's like a bad wrestler or anything. Maybe he's just doing too much for a guy his size. Would be the best way to put it. Uh, there was some scary spots with him. Yeah,
1: Uh, but we'll get to his other match. I thought him and Johnny killed it on night two. Uh, My favorite match of the night for the NXT United Kingdom Championship, Walter against Tommaso Ciampa, and this match was fucking awesome. It was uh, 17 minutes long, and I, I really liked it because Ciampa, he got his ass kicked for a good amount of time, but... He didn't allow Walter to take him down by chops. Uh, Walter literally only got like maybe five chops the whole entire match on, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Chompa. He, he protected himself from that aspect. And actually, if you looked at Walter's chest afterwards, he fucking looked like someone would look after Walter was done with them uh, from all the chops and stuff like that that Chompa did to him. But yeah, the beginning of the match, uh, he got him – uh, once and then put him over to the corner, uh, and you know just smacked him in the stomach. Uh, Champa's falling off. He grabs his leg and starts basically just fucking putting his his foot on his neck and head and just stretching him on the outside until he fell. And that's when Walter, you know, would screw up, if you will. Uh, Ciampa was over by the announce table. Walter goes to chop him, and literally, like Chris said fucking chops a hole in the table, like a giant hole. And I mean, I understand it's not the thickest wood, but he literally chopped the plastic casing that said NXT TakeOver in half. The other one went flying the other way. So Ciampa is just selling this the whole entire time. He can't do certain moves because of it. He's trying to do stuff one-handed throughout it. And Ciampa would come back, and then Walter would smash him down. And Ciampa would come back and Walter would smash him down and it would come down to a chop to the chest. uh, Finally, that Walter just used his hand that was messed up, that took Ciampa completely down and got a pin. Um, I know that some people had a problem, I think, with the ending. But I think the story that they chose to tell, the fact that there wasn't a lot of chomping. and, And I mean, this was after he took two power bombs on his head. You know, and and Walter was just destroying him still, giving him a Boston uh, crab for a long time period, just really wearing down Ciampa. And finally, he decided to just sacrifice his hand for one more chop to the chest, knock the breath out of him. One, two, three. Walter got brought, and they kind of said it, um, more than even Dragunov, I think, to a place where he almost got beaten because Dragunov was tough but was completely just destroyed most of the time by Walter and had small comebacks. There was a time period where I actually thought Demas Ciampa was going to win. So good on them because it was obvious Walter was winning this match and they still made me believe. And I just love the story they told. Ah, I love Walter, man. I love Ciampa too, man. This was just, this is a great fucking match and probably my match of the week. Um, yeah, well, we got WrestleMania tonight and tomorrow. So we'll see, but it's going to be hard to beat this match in my head. What do you think,
0: Chris? Yeah, in my mind, is is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens going to be given time? That's Because I yeah. feel like that's the only thing that's going to be even close to this as far as what happens on the Mania card. But holy shit, man, I love this match. I love the storytelling in it. Like you said, uh, in good, Wade Barrett. On commentary on this match was absolutely great, and I, I want to point that out because we do point out shitty commentary all the time. But I thought he was great, specifically uh, the block that Champa threw with his elbow on Walter's hand that kind of set all that up to begin with. And Walter, absolutely incredible, selling the hand, the entire like going for a pin and selling his hand, like that's how bad his hand hurt. Which the rest of this fucking roster should take note of when I don't know people are breaking your goddamn fingers. Um, (laughs) god damn it Dane Uh,
1: I agree (laughs) they should watch Walter and Ciampa they know how to sell yeah
0: like Walter didn't use that hand until it was absolutely necessary and he thought he was going to lose you know what I mean Like he held that thing close to his waist he sold it when he'd go to the ground if he got hit with a suplex or something and landed kind of on that side he would sell his hand more so than his back like If you watch that, you think he broke his damn hand on, on Champa's elbow, basically. It, and the commentary was great on it. It was such a good match. I thought it was so well put together. I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of that type of selling, but as someone that has watched a lot of wrestling from the 70s to now, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Walter is a, a national treasure. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that he turned it up to that extra level. At the end, just hitting those power bombs back to back, like the very Okada. He's like, I just need to get this shit done. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I don't have that much gas left in the tank, but let me hit these back to back to back and finish this shit, because if I fuck around with this guy too long, I am going to lose. And that's the first kind of desperation we've seen out of Walter. And I thought it was great. And, and Ciampa's was perfect in this match. Everything he did was was great. The only thing I would say on the commentary that was a little annoying Is the callback, oh, this is 2018 Champa. Like, to me, that just means the last two doesn't mean dick for him. So I hate, it's like like when Michael Cole says, that's vintage Orton, or whatever. I hate that shit. So, uh, outside Um, of that. Oh my god,
1: Michael Cole said that for someone that's been in wrestling, or been in the WWE for three years last night on SmackDown. I forgot who the fuck it was, and I'm like, how the hell is that vintage, like it wasn't Baron Corbin, but it was someone like that. I'm like, fuck you, Michael Cole.
0: It's also just pointing out that that move has been around for two. Well, we've had this conversation before saying something is vintage means it's it's like an antique, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of an, Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this match was absolutely incredible. It's going to be very, very hard for any, anything to top this. I'm going to go ahead and give the listeners out there, um, nothing on night two topped this for me. I know there's some people that might disagree with me, but this was the fucking best match of the NXT show kind of expected it to be. And, uh, it's going to be hard pressed for anything to beat this on the mania card. We'll see what happens, but, uh, I, I have a hard feeling. This will probably be my match of the week, Dane.
1: Me too. And, uh, you know, they also addressed Walter, um, in the situation, uh, with him and, is he going to come over here and stay for long periods of time? And, and Triple H uh, was like, look, he goes, we already we we're going to start doing this anyways. But he can live over in Europe or, or or the UK. I forgot where Walter exactly lives. I don't know if he's actually in Austria, or if he's more located now in the UK. But if it wasn't for the pandemic, you got to realize a flight from the UK is one hour longer than a flight from L.A. over to New York. So. It would be the same situation anyways, pretty much over here to Florida from the U.K. We were planning on having Walter come over here for longer periods of time, but the pandemic kind of changed that. So it looks like Walter will be making appearances in the NXT a lot more often once you know we're cleared up with this pandemic stuff or whenever that will be, hopefully sooner than later.
0: I would just say that at this point, there's no one in NXT he needs to fight, and you should put him on the main roster against people like Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and make that a spectacle where he shows up, and you, you kind of use him like Brock Lesnar at this point. And I'm
1: down for that. There's one other person, though, and I got inspired by this. Someone else mentioned this, but um, they were doing some s- smaller interviews beforehand, and I saw the one that Samoa Joe's has been doing some really great stuff, one-on-one interviews, And he was just talking to Walter. They were just going over, you know, um, different wrestling stuff. And I was like, God, I would love Samoa Joe to answer a challenge from Walter on NXT for the UK title and have those two just beat the living fuck out of each other. They could even take from Joe's matches with Kenta Kobashi and Ring of Honor when they were teaming up with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, since Walter is such a huge fan of Kenta um as a style type of concept but those two big bulls would beat the living hell out of each other it would be an amazing dream match to me
0: it'd be absolutely incredible and i i man with the Samojo thing i'm just kind of done talking about it because it just makes me sad every time we talk about it i don't want him me to waste away on that announce table and i feel like that's where they're gonna keep him
1: yeah, well,
0: I mean, he's been healthy. he's been healthy for like a year and a half at this point.
1: Oh, yeah. So he's fine.
0: this is more of a, this is where the company needs you kind of deal, which I don't know. I mean, that might be good for wrestling fans. Hell shit. Maybe he'll go back to Ring of Honor and just have like some bangers with Jay Lethal and, <laughs> and Briscoes. And I don't, I don't know, man. I I don't it's know too bad. It sucks because I feel like, you know, the perfect time he chokes out Paul Heyman, he could have won the title over Brock and had like a really cool run, which I think the fans would have enjoyed. And now he's an announcer and not only is he an announcer, but they're not letting him do what he is good at doing, which is kind of pro <laughs> they've they've nerfed him, so to speak, in the video, the video game world. Yeah, I hate it. But
1: we can hope for the best, expect the worst shit in our hands, and I'm sure we'll burst. Anyways, let's go. Um, Next match was a tag match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. MSK, Wesley, and Nash Carter. Going against uh, uh, Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson. And Legado del Fantasma with Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. And this was definitely your fast-paced, things-are-happening, you know, spot match, essentially. But it was still really well done. Um, really, really impressed by uh, – Wes Lee really impressed me in this match. Some of the stuff that he can do with his body. I mean, I knew it from Impact, but the dude is fucking good. And, um, you know, I think, to me, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde should definitely be like, hey, we didn't lose in the damn match. Because I want to see more with them. I thought the Grizzled Young Vets were great in this match too. uh, Kind of being the brawlers more so. That kind of grounded stuff. And got it back to you know not being so crazy and all over the place. But man, they were doing some very innovative shit. And I really want to see a match with uh, MSK. Who are now the new NXT Tag Champions. uh, With Legado Del Fantasma. I think that they would have some great just straight two-on-two tag matches, Chris. But... I like this. This was a good also cleanser between Walter and Tommaso Ciampa before Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez.
0: I'll agree with you. I think this is a great cleanser because it kept my interest, but it wasn't just too much or just like a really bad match you didn't want to see. Because they do that a lot with WWE. Um, I thought this is a very good match, good pacing. Uh I will say there is one person that stood out to me the most in this match was his Lee, which, by the way, terrible name. But holy shit, did he stand out to me, whether it was selling or some of the moves he hit at the end. Um, There's one kind of uh oh, I guess, in this match was like the fact that they actually care about tag wrestling and thought they needed to do a tag in tag out at the end, which threw me off. Because the whole thing went to a clusterfuck anyways. It's not like the ref knew what was going on um, right before the pin. I did. But out, yeah, like, I was like, well, I, I like went back and watched it. I was like, no, Wesley was the... He was already the legal man. You didn't have to tag him in or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and also, you should be worried about who the opponent in the ring is. Because you also have to pin... Regardless, I mean, as people that watch AEW every week, tags don't mean shit. So... Um, I like this match a lot, man. And I thought Wes Lee cuts so bad. Uh, <laughs> Look like a million bucks. I, I love that tag team. I love that. They're trying to interject this, uh, new focus to the tag division. And hopefully with some of the guys that they, we just talked about signing, uh, this thing can just grow and get better and better and better because I, the tag division in NXT has been kind of down since alpha left. And, uh, I mean, I guess the last good tag team run was AOP and DIY, right?
1: Yep. I definitely, they had a time period where they had a a, a, a couple good tag teams because it was basically Redragon, you know, uh, or Undisputed Era, whatever, whatever way you want to call it. But the two of them um, and uh, Mustache Mountain was over here for a long period of time. And a couple others, but yeah, it's been really dragging since DIY disbanded, AOP left, FTR left, and American Alpha left. I think that, you know, NXT's golden age when it came to tag team wrestling is definitely not there as much, so hopefully we're seeing a surge of energy because, like you said, regardless if the teams are a bit not as intriguing as as past ones, they take the tag division pretty damn seriously and they try to make the tag matches even when it gets that chaotic, I guess makes sense uh, to an extent. Other than, or you know, unlike their fucking main product, brother and sister.
0: But Dane, is Wes Lee the worst wrestling name in the entire world right now? This has got to be. It's terrible, there. man. It's got to be up Let's there. See, what was what was so bad with Desmond Xavier? That's a
1: cool name.
0: We already have another Xavier,
2: pal.
1: <laughs> so stupid. Oh God. I, I, Nash Carter is actually a, uh, a cool name. Wesley looks like you are an idiot, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like he doesn't know how to write his own name on the roster card, like. Because what is short for Wes? It's Wesley, right? Like, or the name Wesley is like Wes is short for Wesley. <laughs> So his no name no. is Wesley Lee, <laughs> like, fuck. Um, that being said, he was the standout of the match. I thought he was absolutely absolutely incredible. terrible, terrible fucking gimmick name, but absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, him and Ronald Mendoza definitely impressed me the most. Wesley giving the uh, the definite nod to. Um, anyway, so our main event was Raquel Gonzalez. Oh.
0: Real quick before we move, I love that tag spot where his tag partner would not let him quit. And you kind of have... That was awesome. He grabbed his harmony. He's like, I swear to God, don't you quit. Was just such a great moment. I haven't seen that in so long. I've seen it in the 80s. But that that was, to me, that was like, oh, shit, man, I love this. I thought it was really, really great. It'll get looked over probably years and years from now. But it was what a cool-ass moment in that match. At least to me, I thought that was so cool.
1: No, I agree with you. I forgot that spot. But yeah, having both members of the Grizzly Young Vets have them in locks and, you know, I'm used to calling him Zachary once, but Carter, or whatever the fuck, Nash Carter grabs Wesley's hand and won't let him tap out. And then you're it's you're you're really building it and it crescendos with Raul Mendoza coming off and drop kicking one of them. Like I thought that was that was probably the I'm getting goosebumps actually talking about it. That was probably the best spot. I would say of the night when it came to their match,
0: yeah, it was it was an absolute good spot. So sorry I interrupted you, but I had to point it out because I forgot to mention it. But I thought that was fucking cool.
1: Yeah, good stuff for sure. So like I said, we had the NXT Women's Champion uh, Io Shirai going against Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai. Um, I can't remember, but I I did Dakota Kai get like sent out of the like out of there immediately because I don't remember being really a part of this match.
0: Yeah, so she went to to do something dastardly and just got fucking tossed. Turns out you can do that in wrestling, AEW. <laughs> well, good. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, she just got straight tossed out of the match. I, I can't remember what it was she did because it was just it was something so little in comparison to most like interference we see. Um, but like the ref just was like, nope, nope, get out of here and send her up the ramp. She it happened right at the ramp or right at the corner of the ramp, and you you saw the little hissy fit as she went up the ramp. And I was like, yeah, well, see, that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> I,
1: must, I must have missed that. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I I really thought this was a good match between t- uh, both ladies. They only had 13 minutes for it, but. I thought they brought it. Uh, Io Shirai is a fucking monster. Even though she lost in this, I mean, she makes it believable when she goes against people like Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez because she's such a maniac and so agile that she slips in and out of stuff and then out of nowhere she's doing a moonsault to you and you don't even know what the fuck happened. Um, uh, she did one to the outside that would build to Raquel getting you know, hit over on the ramp. And I forgot what EO did to get her down again, but the ref was checking on her. And then we're like, where's EO? Oh, I know where EO is. And she's on top of the giant fucking skull, does a backflip. Raquel catches her fine, but I don't know if none of them were thinking about the fact that it was a metal stage. So when she hit, like she looked like she just nailed her left knee into metal, like, you know, just caught it like that. So I'm glad. Apparently everyone's fine, but that definitely made my knees hurt uh, during the match. Was that spot in specific? But um, you know, uh, she she kind of like Adam Cole, not as not as much. But Io kind of got cocky a little bit. Raquel forgot about her size, and Raquel would end up uh, you know getting the uh, the choke slam, the one arm choke slam power power bomb or whatever the hell she calls it for the win and new champion. I think very deserved. Raquel Gonzalez and I'd like to see another match between these two ladies uh, with Raquel going over again but you know EO has gone through everyone like butter so I think she can give a couple wins to build up Raquel and still do some nasty stuff within I guess the women's division with some of the newer recruits maybe you know Zoe or, or Ty or something uh, but I don't know it's, it's another situation where this seemed like a good send off so Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But uh, either way, great performance from EO. Don't jump off giant skulls in the sky, for Christ's sakes. And congratulations to Raquel Gonzalez on being the new women's championship. Pretty good match uh, put together that was right under 13 minutes, Chris.
0: I thought this was a great match. I, I liked a lot of stuff. That huge spot, obviously, by EO was incredible. Coming off the giant skull. Um, like you said, like, I don't think that they realized <laughs> there's metal grates down there. At least she had knee padding on and, and kick pads. It <laughs> could be a lot worse, I would think, because I, I would just assume that your knee would get turned to hamburger otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. I like when she brought her back in the ring and hit the moonsault again and, uh, Raquel kicked out even after all that. And I was like, all right, now Raquel's got to win, right? and um she was the first
1: person to kick out of that i forgot about that
0: yeah so that was that was like a really cool spot and uh i'm completely fine with this my worry is what do you do with eo next less less so with raquel gonzalez because i think that she's kind of stapled herself there but like you said like eos beat everyone so it's main roster right and then what do you do once she gets there and and who do you put her against and uh like even someone like Bianca Belair, like Io's already whipped her ass. So like you almost have to put her against an OG like a Sasha or a Bailey or an Asuka for that for that even that feud to work because they've let Io saturate for so long and dominate so many people, which I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I have to assume she's going to the main roster. Yeah, I
1: I kind of have to agree with you. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what else sh- she's done. Everything. I mean, literally. <laughs> I I get why people you know Triple H can can play it off. However, you know, but I get why people are like, look, Adam Cole has done everything in your fucking company. He's had feuds with all the big guys, maybe besides Karrion Cross, but I mean, everyone else. He's had the title for, all, like, almost a year. Io Shirai, same thing. Like, what the fuck do you do with them now in NXT? What what possibly can they do next?
0: And you have to, I mean, Triple H is always talking about how he wants territories, and this is a prime example of someone needing to leave the territory, right? <laughs> like, kind of. once, once Bruiser Brody's whipped everyone's ass, he has to go to the next place. <laughs> um, Uh, yeah, so I, I, that's going to be a weird one if they keep her around, because then you're going to be like, okay, well, I guess we get a rematch between Raquel Gonzalez for the title, because you would assume that is going to win her title back, seeing that she's beat Raquel, like, what, six times for this title? Raquel got one win. It's like one in six or something ridiculous like that. This isn't even Raquel's first title match.
1: Yeah. But definitely well-deserved, looking forward to seeing what's in the future. Maybe EO sticks around at least for a uh, rematch. But after that, I, Raquel has a lot of different opponents, whereas Eo has pretty much none because she's beaten all the opponents. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does next. Uh, let's go to night two, man.
0: I, I feel like they need to break it clean day, and I don't want her to stick around. They, they need to go the Kevin Owens-Sammy Zayn route where, like, oh, you lost, you're out.
1: I agree. I, I completely agree. Um, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is they keep her around because she's a star for NXT. Um, and with that second show coming, maybe they want her to do some stuff with newer talent. I have no idea, though. But I don't want her to become the legend that's putting other people over because even though he lost, I'll even say it. Tommaso Ciampa was losing a lot of steam since 2018. It's true. And that's because... He did everything, and it's like, well, what the fuck do we do with, with him next, you know? he And I think that he revitalized himself a lot with, you know, that match with Walter. And I still love him, you know, in any match since then, but he kind of didn't have the same prestige. He seemed like the legend that was having a match with other people to put them over, for the most part. And I definitely don't want to see that for Io. She's too young for it.
0: Adam Cole is slipping in dangerously into that same spot for me. Yep. So I 100% get what you're saying. Um, you got to bring me fresh mashups. If you want to keep them there, that's fine. But I need new people to be coming up and and to give a shit about.
1: Completely agree with you. All right. um, So we had a pre-show match once again. Chris didn't watch. I didn't watch. Uh, but Killian Dane and Drake Maverick defeated Brazongo. They get a number one contender to go against MSK. So that will be on this week's uh, NXT on Tuesday. Um, and guess who's probably going to win? I'm going to. Three, three letters. Figure it out. Figure it out! Letter Kenny style. Anyways, so first match. I really love this ladder match. Uh, Santos Escobar, the uh, interim NXT Cruiserweight Champion against Jordan Devlin, the current NXT Cruiserweight Champion, to find out the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And um, I thought Devlin was going to win. I thought that they were going to take this. I thought that basically Santos Escobar had raised the stock of the Cruiserweight title um, more so than the cruiserweight Tuttle was raising his stock, but I even think that even though he had the help of his uh, fellow, you know, he's a heel. So I even thought that what he did, and even though he lost the carrying cross, I thought he was pretty impressive as that. You know, he's one of Sean's like new guys, uh, very known actually. Jordan Devlin has been really working with Sean uh, when Sean goes was going over to the UK all the time to work with those that talent. Um, so. I know that he probably produced this match and I thought it was really good. I thought that the smart thing and kind of the strategy, it seemed at least from uh Sanders Escobar is that if the ladder got set up, he would offset it because when he got up, he would set it in place, but he would want it offset. If he was kind of like hurting, uh, you know, so that Jordan Devlin would not be able to get where it is basically giving him more time. He was acting very heelish. Uh, Dude, I just, I mean, it really comes down to that ending spot. There was a lot of great stuff in this match. Uh, These guys are great cruiserweight wrestlers, but they're good wrestlers in general. But, I mean, that gnarly ending where they're on the top of the ladder and he knocked um, Jordan Devlin through the ladder, I thought he was was out cold. Like, that looked just vicious. And I know he might have just been selling it because he knew where the camera was. Santos Escobar looked like he was concerned as well, too. But he looked above himself, went, grabbed both titles, and is now the official Cruiserweight champion. I don't know what this really does for Santos Escobar. I think that him getting humbled by Devlin, Devlin going back to UK, bringing a secondary title, which was what they were going to do originally before the pandemic, over to the UK show, still being a champion over there, and then Escobar probably getting a a streak of wins to put him – maybe in the North American title picture. That's the route I would have gone for, but I liked it. I liked him bringing out his son at the end. And even though that's not really heelish to do, I didn't really care because they come off like, they, they've always had like this, this almost like a crime family, if you will, like a, like a cartelish type of thing. So to him, this is his son. Like he's the greatest and his son will have all this is I, I guess the way that I interpreted it, but You know, they both had the titles, and uh, I thought it was a good ladder match, good way to start off, uh, you know, not as big of a bang, I would say, as Kushida and uh, Pete Dunn, but a pretty good ladder match that I didn't see some of the same tropes done, Chris. And maybe it's the fact that I didn't see so much craziness um, that it was kind of nice to have just a normal one-on-one ladder match. I don't know.
0: No, I have to agree with you. I think it was a great way to start the night. I thought it was uh, really cool that they didn't go over the top, especially being cruiserweights, because going into this, I thought, oh, man, they're just going to be going everywhere. And uh, they didn't do that. I am surprised that Devlin didn't win. Like you said, I think me and you both had the same prediction for that, just because booking-wise, it made a lot of sense. And I had zero problems with Escobar having his kitten ring at the end. Because like you said, it is kind of that mob boss mentality. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm a bad guy, but like, you know, my family. Like Tony Soprano and Meadow, right? Or An- a- Antony. Uh, so it, I liked it. I, I liked the match. I thought it was a good opening to this show. Like you said, not as strong as Kushida the, the previous night, but um, a good opening to the show, man.
1: Yep. All right. Well, we had next... The uh, match with Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus The Way, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. This wasn't a bad tag match, but pretty sloppy, and I think that a lot of it kind of goes to... Uh, I mean, I hate to pick on her, but she's newer. She's got chance to, to get better, but Indy Hartwell, man. Um, kind of clumsy stuff at the beginning, but more so the end where... I I I I'm just getting to the point where it's like Shotzi, don't do the fucking dive to the outside, kind of like Charlotte, don't do the moonsault to the outside because no one is going to catch you. And she went off, she wanted to do the spear, and man, I am so glad because this is this has killed people recently, like uh, Laparka too. You know, uh, you know, obviously it's padded and everything, but still pretty scary when they go for a spear. Candice is in place, and Indy's not, so she goes right through them and tucks her body so she doesn't go neck first into the fucking thing. So that was scary, and that kind of followed up to the ending where Ember Moon did the uh, the double eclipse, tagged in um, Shotzi to get the, uh, the off-the-top senton on Indy Hartwell, but another thing, it's like the double eclipse. Indy wasn't anywhere near where she had to be. She Her head was like on top of Candice's, so she kind of just I guess just sold it based off the bounce of, I don't know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's younger talent. I think that's why she's with someone like Candace, who's very experienced, but I thought that was a bit sloppy and I don't want to see Shotzi Blackheart get, you know, her career ended over spearing to the outside. it's like happened. Seems like with everyone who tries to catch her and she just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's scary, but, uh, Shotzi and Amber retain the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, what do you think about this match, Chris? Uh,
0: the match itself was there. I thought there were some cool spots. I think like you, you already pointed out the glaring problem in the match, which was Andy Hartwell, uh, unfortunately. And, and I'm not trying to just bang on her for having a bad night or whatever, but you did point out something very interesting where it's like, this isn't a one-time thing. And I do you want Shotzi Blackheart coming off the ropes and not getting caught by someone <laughs> kind of kind of deal. I've said this about Charlotte in the past. I've said this about other people. Like when you have someone you like to me, she's a guaranteed superstar uh, with Shotzi. So I, I don't know, man, it, this match seemed risky to me. And also, like, as everyone on this po- who listens to this podcast knows, I'm not a fan <laughs> of having uh, women's tag titles in general on set on one brand. And now we have two of them on separate brands. Why not just have one set of women's tag team titles so that we can get interesting matches? Cause where does this go after this? No idea. It doesn't do anything for the people involved with this tag match either, because now you have Shotzi and Ember Moon, who are people that could definitely chase after Raquel Gonzalez for the tag titles or for the actual championship. And now they're stuck in a tag team and you have to build something around that. So you're you're actively handicapping yourself to some extent. But as far as the match goes outside of, like you said, uh, some maybe some inexperience, um, it was fine. I think this might have been the weakest match of both shows, if I'm being completely honest.
1: Yep, I tend to agree with you. Um, Let's go to the next match, and I thought this was actually a pretty good match between uh, Johnny Gargano and um, Bronson Reed. Uh, Austin Theory was in Johnny's corner, and it was for the NXT North American Championship. Um, I just... I, I liked... This is a similar strategy that Tommaso Ciampa had with Walter. And, you know, Walter, when selling a lot of stuff, reminds me of, like, an Andre. Like, you know, you got to keep on hitting him over and over again. And finally, he can fall into the ropes. What I thought was funny is actually, going back to that Walter match, when he did that, You know, I was like, man, I wish he could ring it or wrap it on the second rope like Andre used to do. And then I realized... Holy shit, Andre was so fucking heavy, he brought the first rope down to the second rope when he wrapped himself in that thing. Jesus Christ, the massiveness of that man. But similar aspect with Bronson Reed, you know, he's a big dude, so Johnny's just pegging them. And then going after, because obviously Johnny saw the match the night before, going after his ribs continuously throughout the whole entire time, just trying to just break the big man down. And Bronson Reed would have comebacks. Uh, he went for his splash, like, at least twice and completely ate shit. Um, with the third one being, obviously, a moonsault. But this guy, it's it's very noted. Uh, huge fan of Bam Bam Bigelow. I like the tribute to him with the cartwheel. Also of Earthquake. And, God, he is massive, but he's also really quick. Um, and I like the uh, the setup that Johnny did where... He nailed him with uh, two of those DDTs on the outside, brought him in, and uh, ended up winning the match. And I don't really know what you do with Johnny now as the North American uh, champion now that he beat Bronson Reed. I think that Bronson Reed actually would have been a good refresh for that division, but then I don't know what the hell you would do it. Johnny would be in the same situation as Adam Cole, Ciampa in a way, Io Shirai, you know, what the hell do you have left? So I guess that's why... He's still the champion. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, Austin Theory got his shirt pulled off. That was pretty interesting. Do you think the girls were happy about that, Chris?
0: Uh, well, Beth Phoenix did not get as hyped as I thought she would, so I'm not sure were the girls happy about it. <laughs> I'll have to ask them. What'd you man. think about this match, man? They they need to bring back the Beth Phoenix getting hyped about hot guys. I love that. Like the the other version of Jerry Lawler. I thought that shit was hilarious. Let's let's bring that back. Um it was fine. I mean it's Johnny Gargano, he's gonna have a good match against anyone, right? I I guess where's the storyline going from here? And uh, to me personally, and you can disagree with me if you think differently, it it's theory versus Gargano. Yeah, eventually, yeah, that's what I want. So, yeah, that I mean, I, I, but what do you do with Bronson Reed? I guess he's gonna go have a feud with La Drake for a while. Probably. Okay, I mean, you're on the same page of this one. But hey, good match. Uh, it's a Gargano match. It's gonna be good. Everyone should expect it to be good.
1: Yep, I agree. Well, the next match was actually the. NXT Championship match since the last one was an unsanctioned match. Uh, we had Scar- uh, Scarlet Cross, we had Carrion Cross with Scarlet going against the champion NXT champion Finn Balor. I really, I had fun with this match, man. Um, Finn Balor's good. I liked at the beginning how he was just trying to get under Carrion Cross's skin. He started off by slapping him across the face, and you could see the hand imprint on the side of, of uh, what's called carrying Cross's head throughout the rest of the match. And finally, because, you know, it's been bro- broken down by Finn Balor that he thinks that Carrying Cross's one weakness is his emotion. And he tries to rile him up, and then finally Karrion Cross loses his shit, and he goes after um, his arm throughout most of the match uh, until he gets him, you know, in, in, back and forth, Throughout a lot of it, you know, carrying in the advantage on Finn, Finn coming back, and then it would go to – Finn's been doing this. He did this with uh, Kyle O'Reilly, but I, it's really interesting concept, especially if you're a fan of boxing and have seen the liver shot done, is that uh, instead of a punch, but he'll come, run, and then stall, throw off the person, and just kick them right where their liver is, you know, and the type of effect that it has on the body is that it, it's not – instantaneous. It kind of takes a second until your body all of a sudden like just shuts down and you're on the floor. And Finn, just like a shark in the water, just kept on going after that throughout the rest of the match, still going after the arm. Uh, so carrying cross can't, he, you know, he's having problems trying to get the say suplex on him uh, and just pretty much everything. I mean, just he he went for uh, a double stomp and got him, um, uh, you know, Finn, it sucks because it's the end of his title reign, and I think this has been my favorite version of Finn in the ring, and really building him up to another level. But maybe that's good in loss. Maybe that if if he is, and apparently he's still sticking around after this, uh, we can go with that. But I thought that it was a fun back and forth match, um, and it would end up, you know, Finn almost got choked out. He got out of that. Uh, he went for the coup de gras. Karen Cross got out of that, and he has his running elbow that's similar to um, what you call it, Will Ospreay. But just Will Ospreay is a lot more slick with it, and Karen Cross just looks like he fucking just annihilates him. And he gets two of those. Um, and I don't remember if that was that was the exact, if that's how he beat him. But uh, if he didn't, he beat him shortly after that. Karen Cross, you're new. NXT champion, and uh, I thought this was a lot of fun. Probably, um, I'm looking at it. I think it was my favorite match on the second night. Um, I thought Karen Cross looked good, but I, I'm glad that, you know, he's been undefeated, but no one's taken him to this limit like Finn did. And the only thing I will say, I know we saw him backstage, but there's stuff that you can do, but. You know, in the interview on the on the uh, pre-show, I saw a little Twitter clip. He hinted at the demon. He did it on a promo against Karen Cross a week before. And then they go to Finn right before he comes out. They have all these pictures, and then they have a picture of him in the demon makeup, and then he comes out normal. I know that that's a stupid small thing, but um, I think there still is something to do where Finn wants a rematch, and maybe let Karrion Cross beat the Demon. I think that if Karrion Cross gets that, that's going to help him out a little bit. In a larger scope, it would have been fun, but they didn't do that. So I guess that's my only gripe with this match. But other than that, you know, it wasn't anything super crazy or, or super technical. But I like the story that was told, and uh, I'm glad that Karrion Cross is now the champion.
0: I like the match a lot. Um, when I said my friends had a different uh, different opinion... On what was their, you know, favorite match of the two nights. This was the one that came up specifically. I guess they were really hyped on Karrion Cross getting to win. I So was I. I think it's really cool that he's holding the title again. He never lost it. So technically he had to win the t- title twice, which I think is already a cool storyline. Uh, with Balor, for me, moving back up to the main roster, put him on SmackDown, man there's so much cool stuff you could do with him and edge and, and reigns. And uh, I, I know everyone wants to see the demon and have him get that title win back, but it's Finn fucking Balor. Like put the, put the spotlight on the guy, I guess to me, at least, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like if, if, if you throw him up there, maybe even against like, you know, let's say Bobby Lashley retains and, you can build that feud out with him and Bobby Lashley much like they did with you know him and Brock. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with Finn um, outside of just NXT.
1: Would you agree that throughout the duration that this rivalry and building up Finn specifically with this rivalry probably has been the coolest that Finn has been, not necessarily the coolest, but the best that Finn has been throughout his run this time in NXT.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with that. I think it, it I don't know. I, I really love the kitty litter Finn Balor. That was pretty good. Um, but um, but outside just... of the. Ki- <laughs> no, all jokes aside, I mean, like, you know, the, the original what they were doing where he was like kind of feuding with Undisputed error, I thought was pretty cool. But I would say this is yes. This is the definite. As far as building to a uh, pay-per-view and we're talking about this era of Finn Balor XT, this is probably the best run he had. Um, before this, I would say like him and Samoa Joe in NXT. Probably one of his best runs.
1: Yep. Those guys kind of have a lot in common. Scary. Like to drop people on their head. Um, Let's go to the last match. The unsanctioned match. This match... I thought you were just going to be like,
0: Bret Hart hates him. (laughs) Got a lot in common. (laughs) No, well, we haven't talked about Seth Rollins. What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm sure Finn Balor's done a, uh, a a power bomb toss to the the turnbuckle at some point in his career. Breath seething somewhere right now.
1: Oh, I remember he was seething with that whole entire spot that put Finn out from Seth. It's like, see, told you. Sting, Finn Balor, give him another guy with makeup. You know, he's gonna cripple someone with makeup on. Uh, I'm just kidding. That was bad breath breath impression. But um, all right. So we got to the last match of the whole shebang. Kyler Riley, Adam Cole, unsanctioned match. 40 fucking minutes. That's what I will say. They did a lot of, lot of, lot of Too cool long. shit. They Too did a long. lot of cool shit. They did. They beat the living fuck out of each other. I appreciated they didn't have to take it to a crazy level. I appreciate the aesthetic of since it's the last match, it's unsanctioned, the ref is wearing you know, a black outfit, they even make the ropes black, as they were white beforehand for TakeOver, you know, they they went out of their way. They didn't have to have thumbtacks, but goddamn was this match fucking long as shit. And after, you know, sitting there throughout it, I did get a little bit tired. I had to rewatch this match. It was a good match. Told a good story. Um, but, I mean, the main concept is Adam Cole was trying to cripple Kyle O'Reilly. He was... You know, giving him Yushigoroshi's, trying to like slam his neck off of uh, onto the chairs that were set up. He also did like rotating um, neck breakers on top of chairs. One specifically that had the Undisputed Era logo on it. There was a table spot that was, oh god, table did not collapse, so they just fucking just went right to into it. I mean, these guys beat the living hell out of each other, just ping-ponging Kyle O'Reilly. Um, off of like metal, you know, posts and shit like that in the audience. It was a aggressive match. When when Adam Cole took that big ass monitor and smashed Kyle in the face with it, it looked like he just nailed him right in the head. So if if Kyle was selling it that perfectly, good job. But um, you know they and then they went through one of the metal gratings in the middle uh, from a spot. They both came out pretty bloody around their back. Kyle had a huge gash in his trunks underneath with blood coming out of it. You know, they fucked each other up and essentially Adam Cole did everything. Uh, And then the ref kind of was getting in his face. It's unsanctioned. Adam says, you know, when I tell you to shut up, shut up. And he punched him in the face. Then he does the, um, the uh, Canadian destroyer uh, Panama sunrise, if you will, and has Kyle down. But, you know, he knocked out the ref, so it, he fucking created his own bed, as, as Beth Phoenix said, and, uh, you know, tried to go for some more stuff. Kyle reversed it, and, um, yeah, wrapped a chain around his leg, uh, propped him up on the edge of a chair, and did his uh, big knee off the top ropes on Adam Cole, one, two, three, Kyle wins. The length killed it. It was a good match. There's a lot of good spots in this. These guys kicked the shit out of each other, but it was too fucking long. And, uh, yeah, it, to me, honestly, this is another perfect send off for Adam Cole. I mean, <laughs> he gets put on a stretcher and taken out, but, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'd have Kyle O'Reilly win. I get it. But um, the biggest egregious thing, Chris Adam Cole is not to the Undisputed Era's music anymore. He's got his own. And I think that's fucking stupid. Look, Roman Reigns had the S.H.I.E.L.D. music afterwards for a reason. Triple H held on to the DX stuff afterwards for a reason. The Rock is the one who ended up keeping a variation that became his music from the Nation of Domination. Adam Cole is the fucking Undisputed Era. He gets that damn music afterwards because it's not like they sing, Undisputed Era! It's, it's not set at all. With the boom and everything, it's perfect. Give him back that shit. I don't like the new crap. I don't like change. Fuck off.
0: Chris, what do you think? Uh, both your and I prediction on this was kind of wrong because I, I assumed that it was going to be the undisputed error kind of booting him to the curb, and you thought that maybe they would turn with Adam, and so hard, so far we have none of that. Right. We have nope. no alliances, so we'll see. Maybe maybe Adam Cole will get the theme song back soon enough, right? keep <laughs> <You> better! <laughs> maybe they're trying to build Kyle O'Reilly as your new Johnny Gargano's uh, sympathetic baby face. Um, match was too long, man. It's a good match. They did a lot of shit, and nothing in the match was bad. It just went maybe too much, I guess. Um. I, this is crazy for a guy that praises like a 60 minute like, <laughs> like banger with Okada. But at the same time, they're telling a story in the ring. And once you've thrown DQs in there, no DQs, and you just travel all over the place for 40 minutes, there's a lot of stall time uh, kind of stuff. I would have rather uh, just seen these two guys have a normal S match um, for 15 minutes probably would have been better. That being said, it, it was a really good match. It's just, it, it's not on my list of like, this is a fucking incredible no DQ match. I guess I've just seen so many recently that I, I'm i kind of numb to it.
1: Yep, I agree with you. But um, overall, both takeovers. Uh, like I said, I like night one more than night two, but a lot of damn good matches. Overall, I think that they should be very happy with themselves, all the people competing in it. Should be pretty damn happy with themselves. Um, just good stuff. I uh, can't really say anything else besides that. Uh, takeovers, yeah, they, they're they always good they, pay-per-views, they keep, man.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, they keep up the tradition of there's not a bad takeover. Uh, and it, it it probably will be the best thing that you could watch in wrestling this week.
1: All right, well, let's go and talk about its competition. Um. Definitely had to rewatch the show because I was more glued to takeover. But AEW Dynamite on Wednesday went against it for the last time. And we started off with a match with uh, Hangman Adam Page and Max Caster. Um <laughs> I like Max Caster. He's got he's got one hell of an ego. He's 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 a little green in the ring. I'll I'll definitely say that, but his personality, man. Um, you know, he he, and he also comes and says stuff with current events, like a uh, late night television host. You know, he talked about Biden falling down the stairs. Uh, um, I I can't remember exactly all the stuff that he did, but he was basically going telling him to suck his balls when his uh, tag partner uh, stopped him from from using that profane language. But um. Him and Page had a good match. Um, I'm trying to think of like stuff specifically. They Page had to deal a lot with his partner trying to use the boombox in certain spots. Page got knocked in the face from a hand with chains around it. Somehow got out of that and um, still got the buckshot lariat for the win. Um, I don't think there was much besides that. But I, like I said, I do like I, I like this group. The two of them together, I think, is good. Um, and once he gets a little more crisp in the ring, I think that Max Caster has a lot of upside. Uh, what'd you think about this, Chris?
0: I didn't understand why they were having a match, but I like the match itself. Um, other than there was a lot of in- interference, there was like six or seven times that, uh, his partner interfered in this match. Max Caster. Yeah. How partner. did, how did, how did Bowen not get fucking ejected? Tossed. Yeah, especially because I just watched NXT, and they were like, get that shit the fuck out of here. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) plus old school wrestling. (laughs) Um, Isn't isn't that Rick (laughs) Knox or whatever his name? (laughs) Terrible. Yeah, but so outside of that, I mean, you know, the idea is that he overcame the odds. And to me, uh, Max Caster apparently was third in line for the heavyweight title, because I guess he's won a lot on... uh, those YouTube shows that I don't watch. So I I can't say anything negative or positive about it, but they showed his record and said he was like third in line for a title shot. And I'm like, how Uh, not to be a dick, but like how, Um, so I guess, you know, in theory, if they were putting that over, maybe the idea is Hangman is coming back up to that title picture. You know, you have Moxley, he's going to be out his paternity leave he, he is just going to be gone because he's going to be a new baby daddy and I would assume that he wants to hang out with his kid when it's first born and not hang out in a sweaty ass gym in Tampa uh, I don't
1: know I could see John Moxley being like alright babe three days here you go I'm going to go back to wrestling
0: yeah, I, I could also see him wrestling with the baby strapped around him in one of those Kango pouches but <laughs> I'm assuming they won't let him do that
1: I think Renee would kill him I think she would
0: uh, But uh, I mean, they kind of they kind of put it that way where him and, uh, you know, Kingston tried to come out and make the save at the end of the night. We'll get to that. But is Hangman going to be their savior for blood and guts? Are they building a little de facto team? Because it it seems that way, because Adam Page has already had problems with these them, their young bucks (laughs) and that their Kenny Omega. Maybe this is the final payoff for that. Where, uh, like, the surprise partner is is, is Adam Page, and, and you build to that, I guess. I think that would be very cool, especially if you're not. If you can't bring in the New Japan guys and really pull it off, at least you, you could pay off the storyline with Adam Page getting screwed over by Kenny.
1: I like it. Um, should Page bring some PageWisers out for everyone else? Why is Excalibur <laughs> trying to get that over? When he did that, like Jim Ross like giggled afterwards and I was like, Oh my god, alright, you fucking
0: page wise or I have no I have no idea because it's not like like Adam Cole drinking beer is not Stone Cold Steve Austin drinking beer. It's not the same. <laughs> These two you got you, you
1: you have you have to like not catch most of it in your mouth. You gotta
0: have it all over you. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, there's a big... De- well, you have to assume that Stone Cold had, like, 17 before he got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, Adam Page, he just wants to sit in a bar and drink whiskey. Isn't that part of it? He's not even just always drinking beer. He just wants to sip on scotch or or whatever. He's more like a, a Sam Elliott versus uh, Stone Cold's John Wayne.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. But that's
1: what he's calling it. Um, all right, so the next thing that we have is something um, I definitely had the opposite <laughs> when I went into uh, what I thought was going to happen. Packs back, debt triangles back, all three of them together as a group. No Laredo kid. I think that you, I think that you were right. They, this would have been a good time to just have, even if you don't want to have the Laredo kid involved, which you know, if he wants to come over here and do that, then great, do that. But just Lucha Brothers, and then Pac just comes out somewhere else and attacks someone and goes back to being a heel. But no, they're together, which is fine. I just don't really care about the direction they're going because Orange Cassidy comes out and lets us all know why we should care about a feud between the Best Friends and Orange Cassidy against the Death Triangle. And that was them beating the shit out of, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy whenever the fuck that happened in the past that I don't remember (laughs) Um, you know, and now it's like, all right, so now that's going to make them heels in this. I'm kind of confused. Are we going to have anything with a mother's van involved? I don't want to see that. Uh, Pac Pentagon and Phoenix could be doing a lot more individually, I think. But, um, yeah, this is what's happening. Um, we're going to have three on three. So, and Chris Statlander, is with them. They have an alien in their group. So there. I don't know. I don't got anything, Chris. I'm, I'm not really caring about I this. mean,
0: uh, being a female between the ages of 18 to 49, would you rather see alien Chris Statlander, uh, stand with the best friends and their mom, or would you rather see Io Shirai hit a goddamn moonsault off the top of a skull? <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason why you're losing that demo. Uh, I, 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 honestly, man, I, I don't care. I, I know I was right, but I was hoping I was completely wrong on that one. I, I really did hope I was completely wrong, or they would do something different, like you said. Um, are you excited for this? Why are they even feuding? Like, <laughs> what started well, the peace between the best friends and... <laughs>
1: See, see, they have footage since they started, so there's been times in the past where they attacked Orange Cassidy. I think Pac should have been like, oh no, brother, that's when we were heels, we're babyfaces now. Sorry about that, you know, I I don't really care about what happened in the past. I just think this takes Pac, this takes Phoenix, this takes Pentagon, and even to an extent it's Orange Cassidy down a notch for making this th- now the new three-on-three.
0: Three. I don't give a fuck about this.
1: That's 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 really what I would say.
0: I, I mean, I know it's an overtold storyline, but couldn't it just be that the bastard Pac uh, takes wrestling very seriously, and he hates the fact that Orange Cassidy doesn't take it seriously, and then that's the feud, and you don't have to involve all the rest of these other fuckers?
1: Or if you're going to do it, and even, like, heel-turn in it, like... Have Pac, have Orange Cassidy be doing an interview, and Pac does exactly that, but he just attacks the fuck out of him and starts beating his ass. And then Pentagon and Phoenix come in, take out the best friends, and Pac just grabs him by his shirt and goes, you're a joke. You make wrestling a joke. I'm going to show you what a professional wrestler is and slams his head down. And then that builds this instead of, hey, here's some video footage Napoleon Dynamite with sunglasses. Here's some video footage <laughs> where, you, where you beat me up, and um, I don't like it. And neither do Trent or Chucklefuck.
0: So we're fighting you. We have an alien. <laughs> Did you call him Chucklefuck? Is that a cornet? Is that a corny cornanism? A you got Cornetism? It. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Look, I don't have as much problems as Orange Casty as other people have, but. uh... I, I don't know. They're going to do this with blood. And I, I, I'm assuming they're just going to build an entire card of blood and gut stain with a bunch of multi-men tag matches, which you know is my absolute favorite thing to watch in wrestling. Um, they they set one up later in the show. So I'm assuming this is just going to be one of those. They'll throw like one random girl into the what are, what is a uh, bastard pox group called? Sorry, it's slipping on me.
1: Uh, Death Triangle.
0: So, there'll be a Death Square. They'll just throw some random girl in there. (laughs) Statlander, and that'll be one match. What the hell's Evil East (laughs) doing? I think she's still Uh, signed to them. (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, there you go. (laughs) Maybe they'll get Aja Kong. That'd be fucking awesome. We need more Aja Kong in our lives. No, I just... Doesn't it seem like they are slow? I mean, I know it's coming in May and it does seem like they're slowly like, oh, we got to get all these people into groups because they're doing the Cody group. They're doing this little thing out of kind of nowhere. You're doing the inner circle versus the pinnacle. Um, And I'm assuming someone versus, you know, impact, as I would call it. I don't know what else to call it. It's not really the bullet club, but some group versus them. So whatever Moxley comes up with. And that'll probably be your whole pay-per-view. I don't like it. <laughs> you don't want to see like a bunch of five-man tag matches back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, Dane? No, remember when they did like the nine-man one?
1: And then, uh, what's-his-name was talking shit about Jim Ross and they took him
0: off of it? Brandon Cuttlefish. That's right. <laughs> but you're telling me that bunch of multi-tag matches. How many people are going to be on that fucking card? More people than WrestleMania, now that I think about it. (laughs) Like. (laughs) uh, Ridiculous. I hope Sting and Darby Allin just hits everyone with a baseball bat in all those matches, if that's what they're going to do. (laughs) Like, every match. That's what I want to see. Every match is just a run-in by Sting. (laughs) We're going to do these trios, but.
1: No, no, we're go gonna ahead. do trios. Can we can we get uh, Thunder Rosa with Sting and Darby?
0: I mean, sure. Why not? I, 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 at this have...
1: point, why not? We have fucking fifty goddamn factions. You know, trios, doubles, tags. You know, the only people that don't have anything is basically well, Moxley at least has Eddie Kingston and Darby still has Sting. It's basically Hangman hey Page unless he wants to hang out with the uh, the Dark Order.
0: Look, man, I have no disrespect for Dusty or Cody. I'm just going to say, like, this blood and gut, like, the idea of doing this double cage blood and guts thing, the joke is dead at this point. (laughs) Like, you were supposed to do this a year ago. Just maybe not do this pay-per-view with all these different factions. I feel like that's why they have all these factions, is to do this one pay-per-view. And the thing is, is, like, how many of these, none of these shows ever turn out well, basically, is what I'm getting at. We have this many factions, regardless of the company, and they're all different groups feuding each other. The thing is, is like no one actually gets over, the matches aren't that good, and I, I it's kind of just a waste of time to watch. If, if someone can give me an example of this ever working, feel free to send it to me at, at Chris R. Patton.
1: I hope that they try to figure that out to send to you, but I doubt it, Chris. All right, we had Mike uh, Tyson, uh, who was advertised for the show. He's backstage talking to Jacksonville Jaguars' uh, Urban Meyer, you know, the uh, head coach, just chatting with him. And then we had the Inner Circle come out. Um, at least it makes sense now why they're singing uh, Judith uh, along with Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, but Before I go into this, I mean, I was kind of alluding at this. I don't think that Chris Jericho, who's now turned babyface. All right, so they got their asses kicked. Then we have a formation of the pinnacle. Pinnacle comes on, gives us a little bit of a promo on each person. They take over the locker room. So three weeks later. The inner circles in the locker room bathroom kick the shit out of all of them, destroy them, and then tonight, now that they're babyfaces, they come out to basically not have anyone else say anything, but Jericho just completely <laughs> just destroy individually each member of the opposing team while they're being they're supposed to be babyfaces, um, which you know within wrestling. It's kind of like you put over the heel as an actual threat or the baby face, technically, even if you're a heel, because if they beat you, then you look like a fucking idiot and a fool. But I just I'm sorry. I don't know how this helps out the pinnacle. I mean, give them a little bit more steam, two more weeks and like have them do something to Sammy and then come out and say this as your retort because you're pissed off. I just, sometimes the booking decisions at AEW, I just don't get. And I'm trying to think of like specifically what he said about each person. He called MJF his jerk off friend. I remember that. Um, All right. Well, actually I have, I have the, uh, the, the stuff here. So I'll just read this. He said he only brought MJF in the inner circle to keep him under his thumb because he knows how good he is. He said he wanted to use him and suck all the light uh, life Out into the inner circle. He says they knew he would eventually figure it out and show his true colors and they would then kick his ass. He says he didn't expect him to be one step ahead of them, however, and notes that that's the one mistake that Chris Jericho made. Uh, Chris Jericho goes on to mock MJF for stealing his shit, pointing out he rocked the scarf look years ago and says that uh, if he wants to take more, he's got a clipboard backstage uh, if he wants to jack some more of his style, he tells MJF that he's already done any and everything he is trying to do and calls MJF being a mark and decides that we're going to change the name of being a mark to being a max. He tells MJF that the truth is simple and it is this. I'll never be better than Chris Jericho, uh, even though he beat him in a match not too long ago. He says you'll never be better than Chris Jericho and you know it. Uh, now he goes after each member. He calls Tully Blanchard a third-rate member of the Four Horsemen, who ranks between Oli Anderson and Paul <laughs> Roma. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> God dang it. Um, I mean, you could say third, third biggest member, probably after Rick and Arn. That would make sense. But I mean, Oli is is a founder, and Paul Roma. Uh, Anyways, he calls FDR a great tag team, but says no one can tell them apart. He calls them AEW's version of the Jonas Brothers. He says Sean Spears is somehow someone who supposedly has a ton of upside, but claims he only knows him as a jerk-off who contacted him after getting fired from the WWE uh, looking for advice. He makes – he said some stuff about Wardlow, and uh, yeah, that – Bottom line, the Inner Circle is going to shove the heads of the Pinnacle up their own asses with MJF in the back. He says if they want blood and violence, they've got it. He brings up a match, and it's supposed to have been a year ago against another team, but he says on May 5th, right here on AW Dynamite at Daly's Place, it'll be the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle in the first ever Blood and Guts match. He wraps it up uh, with his... His, his promo, and then each member of the Inner Circle flips the bird and joins their flip fingers uh, in the middle because that's, like, their little thing. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I thought the promo was good, but I don't know how to fuck the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle have to win Blood and Guts. If the Inner Circle beats them, then they're kind of <laughs> dead on a
0: rifle. I mean, that's me, but uh, I don't... Yeah, I feel like MJF has to pull it off for his team, right? Somehow, hook or crook, he's got to pull it off. Either him or FTR has got to pull off the W on that one. I agree with you. Um, Man, this could be the breakup of the inner circle, finally, which which I'm fine with. But um, oh, man, there's a lot of good lines in this. It made me laugh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a lot of Jericho on this show. And uh, to some extent, I feel like AEW didn't actually try to book a wrestling show this week. They're like, "Well, it's Mania week, so here you go. It's 40 minutes of Jericho promos."
1: Am I but wrong would... on this, Dane? <laughs> no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Just let Jericho go out and talk. He's got a uh, he's got an important thing that's going to be after WrestleMania Sunday
0: night. <laughs> yeah, he should have promoted it on their show, <laughs> like. What would what would Bischoff do? He's like, I'm so fucking hot that I'm gonna be after Mania. Look at me, I'm a superstar. Like they, the fact they didn't do that, it's just uh, what. That's a whole different conversation for a whole different day. But uh, this, most of this show, I would say 45% of the show was the inner circle, which is fine, except for I'd rather watch Valter and Champa beat the shit out of each other.
1: I agree. I agree. All right, so Dasha was speaking with Christian Cage before he could say pretty much anything, you know, talks a little bit about Frank Kazarian. He gets interrupted by Taz, um, who makes him a flat-out offer to join Team Taz. Uh, he says, uh, sleep on it for a little while and just get back to him. And that's about it. He was like, hey, you can join since you're Christian Cage. You can join Brian Cage, and we're going to get... Adam Page to join. You'll be Page, Cage, Cage. You didn't say that, though, but um, that's what I said in my head.
0: I, <laughs> I kind of love the idea of the PCC. Let's get that going. <laughs> page, Cage, and Cage, and Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's we'll we'll add other people's last name. P. Yeah, get all the pages and cages together. It'll be lit. That's basically how that promo came off to me as well, Dane. So don't, I'm glad don't, that you were don't, there.
1: <laughs> we don't need to give them any type of like ideas, because then we'll have the page cage fucking faction next week.
0: Uh, well, I mean, there could be worse things than DDP showing up on your screen and making you feel, you know, motivating you to get up off, off your ass and do some yoga. I guess.
1: That's a good point. I want DDP back on wrestling. Alright, are you ready for the Godzilla vs. King Kong match? Jurassic <laughs> Express, Jungle Boy,
0: and Luchasaurus? They... Alright, I'm going to go ahead and bury this too soon, and also, like, this was not anything close to what that movie was, because that movie was fucking incredible.
1: <laughs> yes, it was.
0: Um,
1: yeah, so it was Bear Country, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Godzilla vs. King Kong. You know what I would have done? I would have actually had Luchasaurus have a pretty damn good match with Brian Cage. Maybe actually put the FTW Championship on the line and say that they're doing it in the spirit of King Kong versus Godzilla. I understand your TNT, they probably were like, hey, can you do like a sponsorship match to like promote King Kong vs. Godzilla? But this was awkward. There was a part where Bear Boulder was holding Jungle Boy, and what was supposed to happen was Luchasaurus was supposed to get caught by him as well, but Luchasaurus kind of bounced off the two of them instead. Uh, it was just kind of sloppy and uh, there, and uh, didn't really do anything for any of them. So, uh, yeah, that's how uh, I <laughs> thought about that much.
0: The called they're not called the Great Apes. Why... <laughs> I mean, they're bear country. Shouldn't this match be called the Revenant match? Girls and bears are same thing, Chris, almost, sort of. Could not really at all, but okay. <laughs> I guess they were both in the Jungle Book. <laughs> uh, this match was, uh, there was a lot of botches. It was fine. It was just a bunch of big dudes clashed together, and uh, they almost killed Jungle Boy. So it was there. They almost killed Jungle Boy.
2: Oh,
1: Lord. You know, shit sometimes happens. (laughs) So QT Marshall and his new group that we don't have a name for um, had a message for Cody Rhodes. Um, Marshall talks about why he did what he did to Rhodes last week on Dynamite. He talks about Cody being the son of Dusty Rhodes, who knew he'd never fill the shoes. He calls him someone who surrounded himself by vanilla midgets on the independent scene after not being able to cut it. Uh... Playing dress up with with makeup and whatnot. Uh, he points out the men he's surrounded himself by uh, are all you know not are all going to be known essentially. And then he gives it to uh, Anthony Ogogo, who says that he's a big deal as a boxer over in the UK. Um, cool, that's good. All right, well uh, I like QT Marshall. <laughs> I like QT Marshall's promo. It was it was a good promo, but. I mean, I guess let's get to the next part of this. I don't, I don't know. What would you think?
0: (laughs) No, you summed it up. I probably wrote that in my notes. Um, cool. (laughs) Dot dot dot. (laughs) Maybe show me why he's a big deal as a boxer in the UK. Now, just tell me. I guess. (laughs) know, I'm over there, and
1: I'm fucking, I'm a legend over there. I fucking Uh Uh beat Conor McGregor with my hands behind my back.
0: Um, is did, did he ever fight the Gypsy King? I mean, that's the that's the real question, I guess. <laughs> I think so, Chris. I don't think uh, so. Uh, yeah, well, maybe the Gypsy King is going to show up and just demolish all of QT Marshall's group. All right, I'm taking this too far, but who cares? Like, they took something so simple, which should have just been a feud with Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall, and had to spin it into this weird group thing, which, in theory... Cody Rhodes should be able to demolish all of these guys. <laughs> like, this is like if Austin just a ran. Like, it, you remember like the when Austin had all those WCW guys and he get pissed off and he would to get them all stunners. Yeah. Like to me, that's what Cody Rhodes should be. Did this, like his group in QT Marshall's group. I'm sorry, like, I, I don't care about this. I'm glad that you're trying to put these guys over and, and put them on the main product, and that's fine. But there's too many fucking people on the show with too many shifting storylines, and I don't actually care, sorry. And I'm sorry, being a big, you know, lumpy
1: dude that's gonna be, I don't know, the enforcer, I think someone like, and I really like this match with John Moxley, but I think that someone like Nick Camarado has a lot of upside. You know, I was joking and said he looked like Joey Ryan and Bruiser Brody had a baby, but, I mean, in actuality, he's buff, he's scary. If you put him in this group, it just seems like he's probably going to end up taking L's, and it's not going to be able to elevate him afterwards, as opposed to building him up, letting him get a strong record, and doing his own thing by himself. And same thing could be said for this Anthony Agogo guy if he's apparently big in Britain, or France, or wherever. Is he big in
0: France, Chris? I don't know. and So he's a big boxer in both Britain and France, but also Mike Tyson is on the fucking show. (laughs) Here's the other problem.
1: I just want to let you know that you're not as good as me, okay?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it, but it's also super... This is not just wrestling dumb. This is just super, super dumb. I thought this was very lazy and and, uh, I don't I don't care about this at all. And also, like, the reason I don't care about it is because Cody Rhodes is supposed to be the CPO or the big dick baller. And meanwhile, he's letting his entire show get over, like, overwritten by dudes from Impact with no care. But he's worried about what's going on with QT Marshall. I'm sorry. I can't get over this. I think it's stupid. (laughs) Like, it's very stupid. It makes him look like a goof, and it makes everyone in the feud with him look like a goof.
1: Yep, Booker of the Year.
2: <sighs>
0: Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, shout out Tony Collin, Booker of the Year. <laughs> Get at me. I, no one will ever call this show biased because I do find a way to bury AEW each week. I guess
1: <laughs> we gotta we gotta tell our truths, right? You know, we're like Scientologists, but like not brainwashed,
0: right? We're not brainwashed.
1: I'm starting to feel like I'm brainwashed. Oh, uh,
0: no. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> let's, my brain. let's finish this goddamn show. Uh, this is not nice. a good AEW show. <laughs> Sting was interrupted again
1: by the murder hop monster, Lance Archer, who came out and said the same thing, except for Sting got a little bit of a retort and said, look, man, I agree with you. I think you should be doing way bigger things. I think you should be doing way more stuff. Like, And then he pointed to Jake and was like, What the hell's with you as being his manager? Why aren't you getting him to the next level? Why are you letting people forget about him? You know, you should be doing your thing. And kind of just went down to, uh, you know, uh, two of them kind of staring at each other a bit. So I guess um, Sting was on this week, so don't worry. You know, he wasn't on last week, but he's been on every single time for every fucking Dynamite. um, To keep his prestige, of course. And we had a third week interruption by Lance Archer. So we're getting we're getting we're getting further in the storyline, right, Chris?
0: I love the follow up of Sting being the shit out of like four dudes with a baseball bat. Is like he hangs out with Tony Schiavone and people just show up and ruin his interview. Yeah, that that's the booking they went with. They demolish Team Taz, and it's like, well, no, we're just going to have Sting go out. He's going to cut a promo. And at this point, even Excalibur is laughing when he announces Tony Schiavone and Sting are going to have an interview. I'm sorry. It's, uh, man, I, I'm really getting on AEW this week, but I guess it's just because I saw a lot of good wrestling the rest of the week. But, man, like, come on. The Sting is a fucking legend. Like, he shouldn't be doing this shit, and he shouldn't be getting interrupted. If he does, he should hit someone with a stinger death drop. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying... So, uh, like, I love that Sting is like, you're a future legend in your own right. But at the same time, it's like, why? Why would Sting say that? What 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 does it accomplish by Sting saying that? And that doesn't come off as the Sting character I've known, I don't know, for 30 plus years.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. Well, we got past that whole thing. Team Taz, they're having problems still. And Ricky Starks and Brian Cage were at each other's throats until Taz was like, hey, we got we got another cage coming in this whole entire thing. So Brian Cage, you're gonna have your brother Christian Cage, and there's gonna be cages, and I might get three pages as well. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the Page Cage. Game. I'm still stuck on Diamond Dallas Page joining this group. Got Diamond
1: Dallas Page, we got Ethan Page, we got Adam Page, we got Christian Cage, and we got Brian Cage. It's a cage page. <laughs> <Fuck it.
0: laughs> We're bringing in Nick Gage to be the enforcer. <laughs> Nick Gage is gonna be involved. Uh oh man uh this is this the breakup of the group i guess it's a hot question right and i think they're leaning that way where maybe they do split off brian cage to actually do his own thing well you know he needs to be but um well no he needs to be part of the tag team that i (laughs) propositioned three months ago yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's what he needs to do. He's just going to be a, like, what are you going to do? Book him and Miro the same way as well as Murderhawk? You have three big-ass dudes doing the same shit? Cool.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, All right. So we had probably my favorite match of the night. Uh, We had the TNT Championship on the line, Darby Allen with Sting. Going against J.D. Drake with uh, Cesar Bononi and Ryan Nemeth in his corner. And Ryan definitely played a factor. Really good heel managing tactics. Uh, not so... like I'm. I, I, sometimes it's like they don't even do anything and they get the fucking referee distracted from barely doing anything. And sometimes they do blatant things right in front of them and the ref doesn't say anything. But Ryan's actually... You know, getting on the apron, getting uh, the referee kind of like taken out of the match at certain parts. So I appreciated that based on a lack of uh, intelligent booking with referees uh, before in the past with not just AEW, but just in general. But uh, J.D. Drake, man, I thought that this was a really good showing of him. He lost the Derby, but I mean, he's got those type of chops, uh, Walter-esque, if you will. I mean, and he kind of showed that pretty immediately. And Darby is just so good at selling, man. Like, when he gets cut in half by a big guy like that, he sells. And I thought Drake looked great. There was something that happened that was really impressive. I think that Darby was trying to do something, and he kind of, like, sidestepped him and smashed him into the outside. I forgot what it was exactly, but I was really impressed by it. Uh, But, yeah, uh, still, Darby would end up getting the code red off the top rope and then follow it up with a coffin drop. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, – good job. Uh, this is the 11th straight singles win in a row for Darby Allen. I think it's like the fourth, though, for his actual title spree. So trying to get up that number, and I think this is a good showing for J.D. Drake. What do you think, Chris?
0: I want to start this by saying I like this match, and I have nothing against J.D. Drake. It's just more the overall booking of this title in general. Dane, at some point, you have to have people actually challenge for the title. Like when John Cena was doing this UST, the, the, basically what they're talking about, the open challenge, right? When John Cena was doing this with the US Championship, it wasn't just nerds. Like It was like Sami Zayn. It was Kevin Owens. it was. It, at some point, you should have someone that's actually on the television product that people see week to week come out and, and face him. Whether it's Jungle Boy or whoever. Like, do 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 those people not care about the title, etc.? As far as the match, it was a really good match. Like, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from those two guys. But it's making me really... Like, even when Cody was doing it, it makes me really hard to care about an open challenge where there's not any of these people in the back who care about this title. Like, yeah. we, <laughs> apparently... Everyone else, like, where is the Sammy Guevara? Why why would he not want to win this title? No idea. You're definitely right on that. Um, and I think that's the way that that's what worked with John Cena is they could book John Cena in a way where it's like, well, you could have anyone challenge him and he, and he can win or he could, you know, he could lose, which led up to the Kevin Owens which is a great thing. Like you built that up. Same thing, TNA did a, a very similar thing with the open open weight title, or they had they had something similar. But then WWE kind of ripped it off a little bit. But the thing was, is it just wasn't random fucking guys. To me, JD Drake is a random fucking guy because he's not on TV. Like I know I, I've seen him work in Ring of Honor and other places, etc. Like that's fine. He's a good worker. But to the average television like person that only tunes into your show. They have no fucking idea who this guy is.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And they kind of do that all the fucking time. I don't know. We're getting... Tony confirmed it. We don't know what day it is, but we're getting an hour show, sometimes in the future, on TNT. So we'll see where that lands. So maybe you can kind of do like what NXT probably is going to be doing with NXT Evolve. And on television, be able to shape up some of these guys and build them so they come over with a better transition than your YouTube product that is watched by a very small amount of dedicated fans
0: compared. I wonder what that percentage is. They'll never post those numbers, but, like, I'm a diehard wrestling fan, but I'm not watching BT uh, Evolution on YouTube as well as, like, what is the percentage of that? Do you think it's very very? Do you think it's as small as I think it is, or do you think it's like half yeah. the audience?
1: I think it's small, man. I don't think that. I mean, we're pretty dedicated, and I'll catch it one time once in a while if I have nothing else to watch. But watch it like Dark is literally sometimes like thirteen matches. I'm not watching thirteen fucking Dark matches. Um, and ev- I mean, uh, it's Ele- also Elevation's it's, it's cool because the big shows there, but it's just like a little bit. Uh, higher level, basically version of dark is as elevation on I'm, Mondays.
0: I'm, yeah, I would just rather take that time and watch like New Japan or MLW or Ring of Honor versus like our guys are trying to get experience in the ring and here's some squash matches. Yeah, what is this WWE Superstars in '93, <laughs> <you> assholes? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it seems like. And then every once in a while there'll be an important match there, mostly with the SEU. Like, why the fuck is SEU on? either of those shows will, it's still baffling to me, but, um, yeah. Okay. I'm glad that we're on the same page on that. Like it's just, it's just ridiculous.
1: I'm on, I'm on the same page, same Adam page, same diamond Dallas page and the same Ethan page, Christian cage, Christian cage. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. And how about Nick gauge,
1: Nick gauge, Brian cage too, whatever.
0: Have you held up any liquor stores lately? That's how I'll attract them. Um, to join the group. <laughs> you'll you'll set a bear trap for Nick Gage. <laughs> in a liquor store. Robbery in progress. <laughs> Nick Gage shows up. <laughs> Got him.
1: All right. So, of course, this match has to have an afterbirth where Big Money Matt and his whole entire group come out to beat the shit out of Darby. Uh, they're thwarted by the uh, the Purple Circle. God damn it. The Dark Order. <laughs> Dark Order sting, and uh everyone besides the bunny (laughs) flees uh the scene and the bunny is taken down by ty conti who beats the shit out of her so uh yeah that was uh that was necessary the purple circle
0: how how do you feel about changing our podcast name to the purple circle because i'm kind of into it i'm not gonna lie (laughs) that's our faction (laughs) yeah the purple circle uh I'm sorry, I died. I forgot everything after this. So, Inner Circle did a bunch of just nerd shit. Yep. Okay. That that pretty much sums up what this was. Sorry, listeners out there. Purple Circle was better than this. All right. So after that,
1: um, we have Chris Jericho. He's doing a, uh, a, you know, a uh, interview with Alex Marvez. Tells Alex, doesn't call him Fathead, tells him that he's looking really nice and handsome and then gets completely destroyed uh, by MJF and the rest of the Pinnacle. They drag him to the ring. They're beating the shit out of him, doing all their finishers. We go to the back and they have basically put in a hard lock on the outside of the Inner Circle's room so they can't get through. So Santana, his crazy ass, is busting through that motherfucker, uh, the Shining style. Um, but, you know, Chris Jericho's still getting attacked. And of all people, to show up for Jericho, even though they got in a confrontation the last time he was there, Mike Tyson comes out and he's ready to fight. He takes off his shirt and just beret of punches to, of course, Sean Spears, because no one else is fucking taking that. And just, you know, pulls him out from underneath him, starts giving him punches, almost falls outside. Dax throws a punch at him. Not very smart, Dax. That's all I gotta say. And the Inner Circle meet with Mike Tyson in the ring, and it's announced that we're gonna have Dax versus Chris Jericho with Mike Tyson as the special enforcer. And him and Jericho put things aside and hug. And Chris Jericho's so happy that Mike Tyson is there to to have his back. And uh yeah, it was like it was like DX and Tyson all over again. Um I'm just not really feeling a lot of this, if you can't tell. Sorry. I, I love Mike Tyson. Don't get me wrong.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think the entire joke is that Jericho is going to be on uh, that interview after Manian's tongue calls? He'll be like, oh, you did a match with Mike Tyson? What? <laughs> did a revolutionize I should, I the wrestling I that back
1: you? in 99, but for some reason, Vince May was like, No. <laughs>
0: I told him that I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Uh, We got to get her obligatory what's in now. Uh, You know, at least they doubled down on Jericho apologizing earlier in the night. So he is showing that he is a true baby face. He apologized. He was nice to Alex Marvez. He's like, I'm sorry for the shit I said in the past, which is like... Just everyone accepting that you apologize in one night is ridiculous, but it's wrestling, so I just let it go. But at least he explained, you know, it's like, hey, man, I, I wasn't being a very nice guy. I'm sorry. So I appreciate that, you know, like trying to make amends. Uh, it's just weird that they tried to wrap it up all in one night. <laughs> um, the Tyson stuff's very interesting. I guess we're getting to that next, right? Or is there another match in between this?
1: No, that was it. And it was announced with the match where he's going to be the enforcer. But I just don't. I mean, are we supposed to forget that he was, you know, in Chris Jericho's face and punched him the last time he was there?
0: And also, anyone uh, but that- it's, it's perfect for Tyson, though, because, like, Stone Cold told him he was a pile of shit. And he was going to drop him with that stack of dimes he calls a neck. Yeah, but, dude, he totally <laughs> talked to Mike Tyson
1: before that and told him what he was going to do. He was just, you know, it was Vince McMahon that just didn't know what the hell was going to happen. They, well, it was,
0: no, I, I it was, mean, in kayfabe. No, I know, I'm, I'm, doing,
1: I'm, I'm doing <laughs> kayfabe too, I'm pretending.
0: Okay, um,
1: um, yeah, I'm pretending they had, like, a conversation beforehand. But anyone also bitching, I saw someone fucking post, Mike Tyson's work punches look worse than Shane McMahon's. Fuck off, Okay. It's amazing that Shane has not been able to throw a good punch in the duration of time he has been fighting. And you have Mike Tyson, who is used to using those punches to knock
0: people the fuck out. Okay? Give the man a little bit of a goddamn break. I was like, what do you want? Mike Tyson to lay it in? He's like, (laughs) just knocks out all of to go. I don't want to go too stiff because I don't want to knock the unconscious. Also, I call bullshit because watch Shawn Michaels. Maybe the people selling those punches aren't as good because watch Shawn Michaels sell that fucking Mike Tyson punch. Yeah. Go back to 97. This isn't new. Get good, kids. Get good. GG.
1: (laughs) I agree. Well, Tomi Schiavone interviewed Dr. Britt Baker, and basically Britt Baker was like, screw the ratings. I sell the most merch out of any of the women. I'm the one who draws eyes to the product. I should have a fucking title match. And now I'm going to go on a spree on some of your stupid YouTube shows to rack up some wins, and I'm going to take the title. And I said, fuck all that. Screw the goddamn thing. Can we just get the title on Britt Baker? That's what I thought.
2: I don't care. I don't care she's fourth.
0: I don't care she's fourth (laughs) in the stupid ratings. God (laughs) damn. Number one in our hearts, Britt Baker. (laughs) Um. Did she say the thing about – I don't remember her promo. Did she say, I'm going to go on your dumbass YouTube shows and get W's? Because that would have been hilarious if she did. I don't know if she she... exactly said that, but she said that in (laughs) mine. Okay. Well, that's what she should do in her next promo. Britt Baker, if you're out there listening to uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, one, you know we love you. And two, you should also say, I'm going to go on your dumbass YouTube shows and get W's (laughs) against these geeks. Cause that would be a good promo. <laughs> um, I love Britt. I, I don't understand how she is fourth. Who is in? Who is ahead of her? <laughs> There's like That's six the women they feature on TV. Let's let's see what the rankings are. Is Chris <laughs> Statlander ahead of her for busting out of that UFO machine? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be a dick about this show, but this was a very bad AEW show. And look, I like I bang on. WWE all the time, so fair is fair. Fair is fucking fair. <laughs> I'm trying to find the, the the newest ratings. Was hasn't like a, Nyla Rose murdered everyone in the underdivision? So does Britt Baker have to go back through Nyla Rose? I guess. All right. So as of April seventh, uh, the ladies we have.
1: We have Nyla Rose is five and two. She's last. Then Britt Baker is fourth with five and one. Uh Rio Mizunami, who apparently is still here. I did not know that. Is six and one. Red Velvet is five and zero. Conti is nine and two. She's number one.
0: All right, Dan. Explain to me a world where Conti is gonna be ever as big of a star as Britt Baker, and I'll give you a big thumbs up, bud.
1: Or 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 just honestly, uh, let me just say four names, and you tell me the one that should be champion. Rio Mizunami, Red Velvet, Ty Conti, or Britt Baker. Obviously Britt Baker.
0: <laughs> it's it's obviously Britt Baker. But if I had to go, one of the other names it would be Rio because she's a former champion, and people really did like her as a champion. <laughs> so dumb. Um, and, and she kind of lost in some bullshit thing and you haven't ever got her and cheetah for the title. Have we gotten that match? No, we haven't. So like, why would that not be the, the obvious rematch? I'm sorry. I, I'm banging on the show way too hard, Dan. You're gonna have to take this one over and just tell me to calm down,
1: calm down. I'll grab the wheel. All right, let's get through these two segments to get to the main event. Uh, Ty Conti beat the bunny, uh, pretty easily. Uh, Looked pretty good in the match. I do like Ty Conti. And uh, Red Velvet called back out uh, Jay Cargill for hurting her. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a
0: match soon in the future. Do
1: you have anything to say about those things?
0: Ty Conti is a bazillion times better than she was the first time I saw her. And she does have a star presence. They just need to build on it. And I think they're doing a good job of that. So earlier when I said, like, when you are asking the question about who should be champion, I, I just don't think she's there yet. No, she's not. A little bit more. But but I, I think she's great, and I like this match.
1: Yep, and it will be noted that Hikuroshita was helping Taikanti from people uh, interfering on Bunny's behalf. But then they had a little bit of a stare down afterwards. But anyways, the main event... AEW trios match, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Jon Moxley and the Young Bucks. I'm going to tell you what happened and then how I would have done it, because I just don't really get the ending. So, before this, we have, you know, Matt and Nick are disgruntled. Obviously, Matt's been fucked with by Don Callis a great deal to make feel guilty about what's going on with Kenny. Uh, The match itself was good. I mean... I just, I mean, I would have gone for something shorter. I would have had literally John Moxley in there most of the time. And if the Young Bucks did get in, they would do quick tags to get out. And then at the end of it, they would have fucked over John Moxley. The whole entire dramatic, I just did not care when we get to the end of it. And they just can't do it against Kenny. They just can't kick him in the face. Super kicks are nothing. They're fucking clotheslines. You already beat the shit out of them. You did every other goddamn move. And now you're worried about a super kick? Ah, uh, fucking A. But anyways, couldn't do it. Moxley tags himself in uh, and does the Knight Rider twice in front of them before they finally do something to John Moxley and have Kenny get the win. And then afterwards, after a lot of just just pacing back and forth, Matt and Nick join the good brothers and Kenny. They they t- tell Kenny to, t- to put down the two sweet signs, and they all hug. And... That's how John Moxley's gonna go out, I guess, until he comes back. And I don't know. You had a really good chance to, in my opinion, um, just have the Young Bucks. They were just they were just playing coy the whole entire time. And then they get in, they fucking fuck over Moxley. Uh, they let Kenny pin him very easily, and then they just blay the hell out of out of Moxley, to take him out for a while, while you know for paternity leave and everything, and. I just – this conflicted Young Bucks shit, I don't, they're always fucking conflicted. They are so – they are more emotional, especially Matt Jackson, than an episode of Degrassi,
0: for Christ's sakes. My lord. Um, you, take, that, so you take that back. Don't put that venom on Degrassi. Degrassi is way better than the Young Bucks.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, fine. We'll just give him that, for Christ's sakes. But, yeah, I just – it was fine. But now a second time, I guess, that the Bullet Club's back together. You should have run with it the first fucking time. I don't know why we had to do this again. It's been all over the place with the Young Bucks. Put them back in the title picture and give the titles to someone else so they can defend it instead of having them part of this weird fucking soap opera with Kenny Omega and shit. I don't know. That's what I think. Can we – yeah,
0: I'm on the same page as you, and maybe we could talk about the best tag team they have on the whole fucking roster, Pride and Powerful, over here – cutting good segments and having these beatdowns and looking fucking incredible. And meanwhile, I have to look at like Matt and Nick Jackson want to suck. Like, Oh, oh sorry. I can't say that. <laughs> want to have a hug with Kenny Omega and his friends, I guess. Like I hated this. Um, the only thing I would say that I liked about this is the match itself was pretty good, but it wasn't as good as the other tag match I'd already watched on NXT by the time I got to this. Uh, So even the stuff that the Young Bucks are supposed to be good at was not as good as that three-way tag that I watched on NXT. And then it also ended with this very WCW-ass ending. Whose side are they on? They're like super into that for some reason. But the, the one thing I'll take away with this is at least Moxley just tagged himself in, hit like three Death Riders on Kenny Omega. And when he started getting jumped, his boy Eddie Kingston came out. Yeah, that was cool. That's the one takeaway. Eddie Kingston came out there on a gimp leg to try to save his friend. And and then he got his ass whipped, which is fine. It's six people. But the whole problem with this storyline is like, isn't Cody Rhodes supposed to be the head of this show? (laughs) Where's Cody Rhodes? He has a group of like eight dudes. Where's the gun club? Where are all these other baby faces? This is where it all falls apart for me. Um, but I do like the psychology that you know Moxley threw in there at the end. He's like, if I'm gonna get super kicked by you, I, I at least want to drop Kenny on his head three times, <laughs> which is what, what I'm assuming. He and said they just watch. Page. It's
1: like, yeah. oh my god, we can't kick him in the face, but he's gonna drop him on his neck, fucking three dozen times in front of us, and that's fine. But I mean, that's the, too far.
0: Yeah, I guess the idea is like. You know, they were good with Moxley until he started murdering their friend. But then at the end, they're all hugging with the bad guys. So it's not even you don't even get that where it's like we only did that because you were trying to murder our friend. So you don't even get that. You don't. they don't even give you that levity where it's like, okay next week we actually get the decision of the young bucks. It's like, oh, no, they're all friends now. I hope Okada shows up and clotheslines the shit out of every last one of you, I swear to God. Which maybe if that's what they're going for, then they nailed it, but also it's just terrible booking.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. Don't know what's going on. Don't know what's going on to... I mean, basically, like, what, Kmart, NWO at this point? I mean, they were awesome at one point in time, but I just don't care about the Bullet Club anymore. Even for New Japan. Like, I just don't. It's it's nothing to what it was. None of it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm starting to question whether they were awesome or if Gato was just a great booker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because then, a lot of these like people said, have been in other places and have not been as great.
1: And like you said, like, Cody, what the hell's going on with him? And funniest thing is when QT Marshall, I forgot, called him, uh, what, what do he say? Like, uh, no, he called him Kmart Sting. That was pretty good. That was good. I like that.
0: That would been funny if the real Sting showed up, though. He's like, uh oh, and he points the bat at Cody. <laughs> it's like, a, ah, <laughs> stop selling ah. your merch at Kmart. Uh, no, that was pretty funny. You know, do Kmart exist. exist?
1: Are there people that are listening that have no idea what a Kmart is? Gee, I have a- my day. There was this thing called Sears,
0: and the it's from Kmart. For the listeners out there, I have a story about Kmart in Buford, Georgia, but I'm going to save it for next week. i going to hold that one out. Oh, it's God, the good, one in Buford next yeah, to a, the good.
1: other Kroger and <laughs> Crystals that was in the parking lot. Not making it obvious what the fuck that was set up by.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Y'all tune in next week for the story of Game <laughs> Word. So you got to give the fans a little bit, you know, so they tune back in.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, let's go over WrestleMania and get the fuck out of here. Um, the stuff that happened last night on SmackDown, as far as the other WrestleMania matches, I guess they're not doing pre-shows, but uh, the Battle Royal was won by Jey Uso. You got the Andre the Battle Royale uh, trophy. I guess that's a good consolation prize for busting his ass and doing his best work this fucking year, but whatever. We don't and, we don't have to
0: spend a we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but how did you feel about that not actually being on Mania? It sucks for the guys,
1: man. Same thing with the tag match. That sucks. Like I'm glad that Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode retained it, but I mean all those guys, they just didn't even they didn't make the cut? Not even on the fucking pre show.
0: Do you all think right. it was a shot at the big show? <laughs> Why? Because he's the original Battle Royal winner. And oh, <laughs> I didn't put it that. I didn't take
1: it that way. Apparently they're not doing pre-shows anymore for these two because they want the live reaction from the audience to be the first person that comes out to amplify it. So they just added these two matches to SmackDown. I just think it sucks because obviously there's a pay difference if you're on a quote-unquote WrestleMania SmackDown compared to the actual WrestleMania, even in a
0: pre-show. And
1: yeah, you you know, because you're, you're be on you're WrestleMania. Getting,
0: yeah, you're getting stream views right now because you don't like back in the day you would buy the DVDs or whatever you get royalties. Now you get stream views, and and they're not even on that. Like how many people are gonna go back to uh, April 9th and watch that SmackDown? Besides, like I don't know, maybe me and you ten years from now.
1: Yeah, I don't see people going. Oh, to actually rewatches WrestleMania, I gotta watch the Battle Royal and the four way tag match on SmackDown beforehand before I can qualify that I actually watched this WrestleMania thirty-seven, okay.
0: I mean I get there's a lot of shit on this WrestleMania and I'm glad that they like split it to two like two days like they did last year. But at the same time, that's to me the Battle Royals like the that is the good pre show opener and, and those guys get to be a part of the live crowd and get to be there in front of fans and even if they're not having their big WrestleMania moment, you can make it big. You know what I mean? So it just kind of, to me, it sucks that that's not part of WrestleMania. I would maybe cut something else and have that part of WrestleMania. Like I don't know the Nigerian drum match, Um, but we'll get there.
1: All right, let's get into it. We're gonna we're gonna go over who's gonna win and who's not going to win. Um, Let's go over night one. This is not in order, guys. I'm just going by what Wikipedia has listed. Uh, I think either we're going to start with Lashley and Drew McIntyre or start with Sasha and Bianca and the opposite will be the main event. I think this year with fans uh, actually being the first match with fans in the audience, we haven't seen this and stuff like that. It's going to be a huge fucking pop. So I think they're going to start off with one of those matches and end with the other one. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case Uh, between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I'm really pulling for Bianca Belair. I, I, I like Sasha a lot. I just think that Bianca, I really think that in both cases, Rhea Ripley and Bianca should be the new champions to freshen stuff up on their brands. But even more so with Rhea, I can see Rhea losing to Asuka. I, really, I don't know if I can see Bianca losing to Sasha because I don't know what the hell she gains in a loss, even if the match is excellent. But who knows? Maybe they will prove me wrong, but this is definitely a match I'm looking forward to. I see Bianca winning the match over Sasha Banks. What do you think, Chris?
0: I think it's great for both performers if Bianca goes over. So I'm gonna agree with you. I think Bianca should win here, and Sasha should go full heel and not this like weird half cock kind of thing she's doing right now. Uh, but this match will be great. I think both of the the females involved in this match are incredible in the ring, and we haven't have we ever seen this. I don't think we've ever seen this. Not, at least not in this format of a match, like an actual like big match. So to me, this is like one of the cooler matches on the card if, if they actually give them time. And I almost would open the show with this. Like like Did you say you were going to open the show with this, Dane? Like I, I said
1: that either – I think the first people to be out in front of the audience is either Bianca or Drew McIntyre. And either of those matches should be the first match. The other one should be the last match. So if Drew and Bobby go on first, Bianca and Sasha go on last, and vice versa. But those should be your openers and closers.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you there. But uh, yeah, this should be a great match, and I agree with you. I think Bianca should walk away with the title on this one, and they need to refresh in Sasha's character, so this is the perfect time to do it.
1: And I like what you said about healing it up. I would love a ref bump and Sasha to do some dastardly shit out of desperation to Bianca Belair to kind of put her over that level as a heel. Because she's kind of riding that line, and I like Sasha always as a heel over a baby face.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The only time she's a good baby face is if Charlotte Flair is there. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Which just means Charlotte's a great heel, which is what that actually means. But, like, I'm not taking anything away from Sasha because I think she's incredible, but, you know, like Ricky Steamboat, you need a great heel, right? Like you yep. need your macho mans.
1: Nope. I agree with you. And, and speaking about Charlotte, I kind of have a question. You know, we were listening to uh, Tom Clark's main event. He did with the four horsemen, um, three of his good buddies that they do podcasts of definitely check out Tom Clark's main event and check out his articles on geek dot nation.com. But uh, you know, for this women's tag match, So the winner receives on the second night a tag team championship match. Um, And we have it's it's Lana and Naomi, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, Italian Tamina, Billy Kay and Carmella. I know they stood tall, but if we go by this, I actually really like especially the matching outfits. One paying tribute to her side with her dad having like pink and black. Um, and the other one having it for, for her dad, Jimmy Snuka, with the yellow, the gold. I like Tamina and Natalia to win this. But I could also see just makeshift Charlotte and fucking Bailey for whatever goddamn reason come out, win, and then win the tag team championships after that. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I could totally see that happening. If not, the next choices would be Natalia and Tamina. Or the stupid choice, not because of Naomi, but because of Lana, if we're going to finally end that dumb story no one cares about, about Lana winning the tag titles over those meme bullies of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax that I don't give a fuck about. Um, I mean, it would would be good for Naomi, but your partner's Lana, so what the hell can you do? You know what I'm saying, Chris?
0: Yeah, and I I, kind of brought that up on uh, Tom's Podcast, And I didn't really get an answer on it, but I was like, surprise tag team, Sasha and Bailey, or Charlotte and Bailey. And wouldn't it be so great if they came up with, like, different robes? Like, she's got her big Ric Flair robe on, and, and Bailey's got, like, this black and yellow polka-dotted robe on. They come to the ring. It'll be a huge WrestleMania moment. I'm assuming that's what they're doing with them. Like, I'm not trying to throw shade at, like, Lana – But is Lana winning the tag team championship as big of a moment as Charlotte and Bayley being a tag team in this match? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the fact they're not on the card, this is the spot you would put them in. Unless you're going to have like Bayley do a run in during the Sasha match or something weird like that. But I'm I'm, I'm just assuming that they're going to be there. They did literally say there's going to be a surprise tag team. Oh, they did? I, I thought so. Like, who? no one knows who Carmella's partner is, right? Or they think Carmella's Billie partner Billy Yeah, they think she's going to get jumped out. But uh, maybe they go the Hardys route. You know what I mean? Like, a surprise tag team. Like, you know, Titus O'Neil shows up, and he's like, you didn't think these people were going to escape, escape WrestleMania? It's just Bailey and Charlotte and random tag team. Like, it's not that hard to do. They've done it before. So I just have to assume that you insert you know, Charlotte and Bailey. Uh, uh, anything
1: to get me to be able to like, you know, be able to taste the tears of WWE marks that don't like Charlotte. If if they win it, I just want I want all the tears. I want all the tears.
0: I just want all the <laughs> salty tears. We've done this so many times, Dane. I just don't understand why people don't like Charlotte.
1: Because <laughs> they're idiots. That's really what it comes down to. Lack of
0: Well, mentality. you know. Well, what, like almost four years ago, I did the same. I, was, I just don't understand why people don't like Roman. Now they're like, oh, men will suckle at the teat of Roman Reigns. So.
1: Fuck Daniel Bryan. He's screwing over Roman, damn
0: it. <laughs> yeah. What? Wait, what? Nerds. <laughs> nerds.
1: You, you're a bunch of, of maxes out there, guys. Get it? Because that's what Ch- Chris Jericho changed Mark to. Never mind. All right. Ah, uh, the next match. It should be probably one of the better wrestling matches, I would think. Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. You know what? I thought Seth Rollins for the longest time, but I actually think Seth's gonna want to put over Cesaro. Now, whether or not Vince c- is convinced with that, I don't know, but I actually think Cesaro is gonna get the win over Seth Rollins unless Buddy Murphy comes out. Because God, Lord knows that they could definitely go back to that fucking horseshit. Uh but yeah, I'm actually gonna give it to Cesaro in the slightest. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seth wins. What do you think, Chris?
0: I'm going to agree with you on this, and I'm going to say Cesaro. They, they, they seem like they're building a little thing around him. I think it's taken way too long. Um, but like Seth Rollins doesn't need to win here. He's had his mania moment before. Uh, I think it's completely fine if Cesaro gets a big win here. And uh, I think it, you can continue the storyline if you want to do you do a feud or whatever. Um, I, I, I don't think they know what to do with Seth Rollins, honestly.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of starting to think that myself. (sighs) all right. Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon in the most anticipated match of WrestleMania weekend in a steel fucking cage. You know, who's going to lose Chris? We are for this match. Being a part of it.
0: Oh, you didn't give me a chance to answer. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, the fans? (laughs) Damn it.
1: So dumb. So dumb. Who cares? Braun Strowman. What do you think?
0: Unless Shane McMahon jumps off the Eiffel Tower, like my interest in this mess is null. So we're just all going to be waiting for uh, Shane McMahon to die, I guess. I mean, not die, but theoretically die, like fall off something very tall, which I'm assuming is going to be the end of the match. Shane McMahon will win because Braun Strowman drops his ass off the top of the cage. So who's going to have it
1: worse between Shane and Kevin Owens for what they're going to fall through?
0: Oh, definitely Kevin Owens, because Kevin Owens is not going to land onto an inflatable pad. <laughs> Kevin Owens is just, Kevin, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn just going to be going through some real shit if they let them uh, do what they do.
1: All right, next match. New Day, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods versus AJ Styles and Omos for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. Well, the New Day's had the tag titles for at least two weeks or more, so it's okay if they drop them. They're just building up their numbers. So I think AJ and Amos are going to win this. And uh, I'm worried about Amos. I know that Triple H was talking for a while, seeing that they've worked with him for a long time. But this is technically going to be his first match, period. And it's in front of a stadium coming back after the pandemic of about, what, 25,000 people? That's going to be intimidating. So uh, we're going to find out. But, yeah, I feel like AJ and Amos are going to win that. What do you think?
0: I mean, he's going to be carried to a good match with, like, three great workers. I mean, AJ's in there. You have Kofi, who's a known professional. You have Consequences Creed. Uh, I'm sorry. Austin Creed. Xavier Woods. There you go. Tried to get there. Uh, great workers. I'm sure they'll carry him to a good match, and all he has to do is be the big body to slam people. So I I agree with you. I think this is the time to put those tag titles on Omos and AJ Styles. The bigger question is, like, does this feud just continue for forever, or are we going to get a new tag team? I love the New Day. I love them so much, Dane. But, like, could we get, like, a new tag team? That'd be amazing.
1: Uh, the Viking Warriors should be back soon.
0: Great. The Viking Experience Warriors are going to be back soon. Super stoked on that.
1: Poor War Machine, man. Poor War Machine. Ugh. All right. Well, the uh, one of the last matches on this night, uh, or tonight, actually, um, since we're recording on Saturday... Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison in a tag team match. Uh, I think I think Bad Bunny and Damian Priest are going to win. I wouldn't doubt it if they give the pin to Bad Bunny, but I think Damian Priest actually should get the pin in this match. Uh, what do you think, Chris?
0: I feel like Damian Priest will wreck house and put bad, give Bad Bunny the spot to get the pin. That's your prototypical WrestleMania celebrity moment. Also, I don't understand why people are so upset about this because there's every WrestleMania like Snooky one time got a pin. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that crazy. Yep. It's WrestleMania. It's it's there's always going to be a celebrity moment. Like, it's fine. It's just part of the card. It's OK. Hopefully what it leads to is, I, I don't know, John Morrison being used He's standing in the pit of. Him. You realize that, right? <laughs> oh my god. How? Probably. But if I'm him, I'm like, "Oh my god, how?" <laughs> <laughs> uh friend of the podcast, John Morrison. You deserve better, bud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Do you think uh you get the uh you get a um, uh, what's Mrs. wife's name? Why am I uh Marie. Maddie! Do you think you get a Maurice moment in here?
1: That'd be that would be fine. I'd be fine with a Maurice moment.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, there's stuff. I mean, this is just this is just a fun match. It's it's a celebrity match. That's all they're going for. That's it. I, I think people are looking way too harder into this. <laughs> it's there's one of these on every Mania. It's got to be someone. Like you know, like uh, Dustin Rhodes and um the Arrow himself. (laughs) There's one on every menu. What was the one with uh, Stephen Amell? Yeah, Stephen Amell was there. You had uh, I want to say J.J. Watt, but that's not it. The tight end from the New England Patriots. Tell me Captain Boston was Gronk.
1: Gronk. He was there at one point.
0: Yeah, they just they do this every year. So people shouldn't be surprised. It's cool that they're cashing on the bad bunny stuff. It's weird that they drew it out for like two months, (laughs) like building it like as an actual storyline. But, I mean, good on them. Like, make the money. But (laughs) Well, I never
1: thought I'd say this, but Bad Bunny's gotten praise for his hard work and dedication. Even from someone like the Viper, Randy Orton, within his fight with Waka – no, not Waka Flocka. The other one that's terrible. um, uh, Soldier Boy, where they're going back and forth. He told him to quit being a bitch and try to be as good as Bad Bunny, who respects our business and has been training for his match. So, good job. And also – Little Bow Wow had to put put Soldier Boy in check for fucking
0: with Randy Orton.
1: He yeah, told me he wolf. didn't know who he was dealing with. So.
0: <laughs> also, Little Bow Wow is training for race, wrestling, right? Yeah, he's training with... Yeah.
1: Uh, fuck, I forgot who the hell's
0: training him. Oh, Rikishi. Oh, well, that... I mean, okay. I could see him being an, uh, an, an, an- a- oose. <laughs> He'd be like, what's up, oose? <laughs> little <laughs> oose. Uh, yeah, man, I... I I don't have any problem with this. I don't know why people are so mad about this. Why is this split the internet so hard? Like, is it just people don't like you either love bad bunny or hate bad bunny to me? It's just there. Cause I'm it's old a lack and I of don't knowing know. Him. Yeah. I don't I mean, know bad bunny. So I'm and just I, like, yeah. I don't know him either, but if he's
1: dedicated <laughs> and he wants to have a fucking match, I mean, I, I would have had a problem if it was Ms. Versus bad bunny. Cause that would have been dog shit. But now that we have Damien and John involved, Just fucking let him have a goddamn celebrity match.
0: Who gives a shit? Yeah, it's not like he has to do a whole lot. It's going to be Damian Priest, John Morrison, who's a fucking phenomenal wrestler, and Miz, who's an okay wrestler. It should be a good match.
1: (laughs) Exactly. All right, so the (laughs) WWE Championship match, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, MVP in Bobby Lashley's group, um, and, you know, uh, the whole rest of the group is gone. And actually, during the Battle Royal last night, Shelton and Cedric eliminated, like, one person, and then everyone completely destroyed them and eliminated them right the fuck afterwards. So, Physic Man's uh, making wonderful statements. I wish Bobby Lashley would actually win and to give him a lengthy run, but Drew McIntyre's getting that belt back. What do you think, Chris?
0: Man, you said Drew McIntyre's getting the belt back? Yeah, unfortunately, that's what I think. He broke up. He broke up the Hurt business.
1: He's made Bobby look like a bitch on television, trying to pay people to take out Drew McIntyre. Vince wants to put Drew over. That's what I think. In front of a crowd, to find out if his experiment fucking won. I, I feel like Drew, it's... and I, and I, I this sucks for his behalf, but I don't know.
0: I actually said this yesterday on Tom's podcast. <laughs> I think this is, will be a Vince McMahon experiment in which he has Bobby Lashley win to see what the crowd does before he actually gives Drew his win in front of the crowd. You know how seriously Vince takes mania. It's a question mark. No one knows how the crowd is going to react to Drew McIntyre. Uh, Us wrestling internet fans might be excited about it. But you know what? I'd be completely fine with Drew McIntyre winning the belt. You have 30,000 people local tapped into this. Like, What if they're just super into Bobby Lashley? you're not getting an international crowd. Like what if that pisses them off? And and what you get is like Roman winning the rumble boo, like at the end of the night kind of thing. So I could, I could see Lashley winning just because of that and then build the pop down the line. So you kind of know the reaction to drew, which sucks for drew. Like it really does. But I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere as long as he doesn't get hurt. It was always next year, bud. So I'm going to say Lashley retains. I hope so. I
1: do. All right. Let's go through the second night. You got Oscar versus Rhea Ripley champion Oscar. Um, there's two ways I see this going and Oscar will be able to do something else from this. But I either think that Rhea Ripley is going to beat Oscar or Charlotte's going to show up, piss everyone off and win the match. <laughs> I don't know. I could see it happening, man. Her being like, oh, hold the fuck on. I called your ass out, Oscar. I've beaten you before. Rhea, I beat you last, WrestleMania. I'm going to beat both you bitches. What the fuck? I'm not, I don't have COVID anymore. What the hell? And then she comes out, whoops their ass, pins Rhea Ripley for a second year, and uh, makes all the fans cry. And I want those tears, those days, <laughs>
0: Almost almost more entertaining than mania at that point would just be me watching the Twitter feed explode. <laughs> just blow the fuck up. Yeah. I, I think just Rhea wins clean here. Yeah. Um I just wish they would have built her, you know, seven months ago when they promoted her to the main roster. How long ago was that? It seems like forever. It probably wasn't seven months. I'm just making up numbers. But g- god damn, how long has she been up there, Dane? She's been there for a while. Yeah. And why is she a heel?
1: <laughs> no idea.
0: She just hates Oscar, I guess. Um, that that being said, this should be a great match. I don't think they're going to do any fuckery in this one. I think more likely you'll get Bailey and and uh, Charlotte in that tag match.
1: All right, we have next Big E versus Apollo Cruz for the Intercontinental Championship in a Nigerian drum fight. Like I said. This could be a great match. Uh, Big E and Apollo Crews, they put on good matches. Uh, I still want Big E to win this, and I don't know what the fuck a Nigerian drum fight is. Uh, It just, when I click it on Wikipedia, it goes to hardcore wrestling match. So I guess maybe it's no DQ. All I know is along with the accent, and I said this yesterday in the comment section on Tom's show as well, Along with the accent, I swear to God, I hope this was not presented by Vince McMahon to Apollo Crews. like so you're going to have a drum match. It's going to be Nigerian. It's going to be like the Punjabi prison, but more racist. Like, what the fuck? Um, I don't know what the fuck this is. If it's a good fucking no DQ match between these two guys slapping meat, I'm sure it'll be great. Biggie needs to retain regardless. Sorry, Apollo. What do you think, Chris?
0: Uh, well, if they're going to continue with the Apollo thing, he definitely needs to win. Because it'd be better to have the heel up top and Big E chasing. But, uh, yeah, what the hell is a Nigerian drum match? This is not like, this is not like someone being like, it's a Detroit street fight. You know what I mean? Like, you know what that is? It's a street fight in Detroit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) spelled out for you. (laughs) Yeah, like... You need to tell us what this match is and what it involves and how you win, because what's going to happen is they're going to give Michael Cole like a sheet of rules five minutes beforehand. Remember that the dual cage match with the tag teams with like the Hardys and uh, remember he was like trying to remember all the rules. Uh, you, you just lay this out to the fans beforehand. Or it's just a no-DQ match with there's some Nigerian drums. And I, I asked that question yesterday. I was like, is it just a no-DQ match and there's going to be some drums there? <laughs> like, is, is John Bonham's ghost going to get involved in this match, him and Undertaker again tag team?
1: I'm so down for that.
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs> That'd be amazing, right? <laughs> Are we going to hear when the levy breaks? That's, that's the actual question. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I just think, I mean, if you want to continue the feud, fine, but Big E winning at WrestleMania is a better way to build him for a future champion than him losing after this big fucking surge they put him in, you know, since they broke up the New Day.
0: I don't want to see him lose to fucking Apollo Crews at Mania. Why do you have to put those two guys together to begin with? Like, that beef should have been squashed three months ago. Find something this else for Apollo stupid. to do. You can't push them both at the same time. That's what they're trying to do. So now you're going to have this toxic crowd where even if Apollo wins, it's not going to be the kind of heel heat you want. <laughs> like, just they want both of these one of guys the, to win.
1: <laughs> just give every one of the twenty to 25,000 people in the audience drums. That won't get annoying. I I feel like
0: people that like Apollo Crews like Apollo Crews because they watch him in NXT and have seen him in Involve and other places. And they like him because he's a great athlete. and He's really good in the ring. It has nothing to do with the personality of Apollo Crews. But then you're putting him against Big E and you're asking someone to choose. And it's not a heel versus face situation at that point. Like you didn't build his character enough for me to be like that dastardly Apollo (laughs) Crews. You know what I mean? Over Big E. So, like, you've torn your, your, you've torn your crowd. It's just bad booking. You could have booked him in so many other situations as a heel, and I don't know. I think it'll be a really good match. I think both those guys are great athletes. It'll be a great match. Uh, the crowd, I think, will re- react the same way I just reacted.
1: Yep, I agree with you. All right, well, I'm curious on this match. Uh, Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn. With Logan Paul. No, I don't understand why Logan Paul is part of this, but people on YouTube, I guess, know him and and shit, so whatever. I think this is going to be an awesome match. I know people have a problem with, like, oh, just makeshift Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens. Well, yeah, if you have nothing else for them to fucking do, they can put on a damn good match. So, like Chris said, the amount of time is the biggest thing on if we can have a good match between the two of them. I just want this to happen where he beats Sami Zayn, and afterwards Logan's holding Kevin's hand up in the air and then Kevin stunners him. you know, stunners Logan Paul right in the middle of the ring, gets the fuck out of there and that's it. But I hope for a really good match. They could actually be the best match out of the two nights. If given enough time. What do you think, Chris?
0: I agree with you. I think that's the biggest question is how much time are you going to give Kevin Owens to stun both Sami Zayn and and Logan Paul? Um, Do you think Logan Paul is going into this knowing he's catching a stunner? like months ahead. I hope so. No, I hope not. I hope not. I hope he's been working on it. I don't want him to take one of those little Vince McMahon stunners where you fall over like sideways. I want the big Sergeant slaughter.
1: (laughs) How about, how about
0: (laughs) power bomb instead? Do that one on the apron hard as hell. Uh, (laughs) This should be a good match, man. Just give them time. Give them at least 15 minutes, please wrestling listen to me vince <laughs> wrestling god <laughs> please give them 15 minutes if you give them 15 minutes kevin owens and Sami Zayn, that can be your taker versus sean match if you just give them that time if you ask them to do this shit in seven minutes and also throw logan paul in it to, into it it's going to be a clusterfuck i mean it'll be a decent match but it won't be what that match could be I, I love the fact that these guys get to work a WrestleMania match together because how much the company means to them growing up and how much they've talked about it. It's just kind of weird that they have to overshadow with Like, oh, Logan Paul's here. So Logan it, Paul needs to go
1: through a table.
0: <laughs> at, least get, at least give them 15 minutes to work. Sammy and Kevin, they won't disappoint you, Vince. If you're listening out there, Vince, <laughs> they won't Shut disappoint Shut up! Sorry. That's what I'm, he sure said. Jer- I'm sure Jericho is texting him right now. He's like, they won't disappoint you, bud. <laughs> Canada for life. I'm from Buffalo. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> Anyways, uh, for the U.S. championship, Seamus, Matt Riddle. I want Seamus to win. I think Seamus had a damn good year. He's rebuilt himself a lot. Matt is not cutting it for me. Keith Lee was supposed to win that title. They had to put it on him because he got injured. And since then, he's been out, obviously. So if Keith Lee's not around to take that title from Riddle, why not Sheamus? And like I said and suggested, then have fucking Matt Riddle be down in his dumps. And maybe RVD comes and, you know, buddies up with them. And they have like one of those dumb stoner promos in the back. And it just leads to during a match, RVD's in his corner clapping him on and then just beats the shit out of him and starts acting like he'll RVD like he has in the last two years over at Impact and shit and tells him he's a fucking... Shitty copy of him and just being Terminators him in the corner and start bringing that Matt Riddle with the uh, pizzazz, the aggression out, you know, the one that we saw in NXT. Not this stupid fucking lazy fucking fast times at Ridgemont high version of him. Um, Yeah, that's what I would do. But who knows what the fuck's going (laughs) to happen.
0: Do you remember the last R? Do you remember the last RVD run in WWE?
1: I wasn't really rememberable. I came in right at the tail end of it and was was like, what the fuck are they doing with
0: RVD? They jobbed him. Do you, do you know why that – for listeners out there, the reason this happened is RVD was their champion at the time and got caught – him and Sabu got caught with weed at an airport and there were some legalities that happened and – and then he dropped the title, and ever since then, Vince has buried the guy. He's never been the same RVD in WWE product. So this thought of like him and Riddle having a great match, I love the idea. I think it'd be fucking great anywhere else in the world. But Vince, even when he re-signs RVD, he buries RVD. So... Uh, I'm, I was very surprised he put him in the Hall of Fame, to be honest, because when that happened, it was a huge deal in the Internet world and uh, wrestling news world of RVD and Zabu get caught with weed, which sounds stupid as hell now because it's like <laughs> it's not like they were like bringing crank across borders. Well, And anything. not only that,
1: how many <laughs> high references they have for fucking RVD's like, you know. Uh, his his Hall of Fame thing.
0: Well, I that was him. Had, in. He stuck those in. I'm surprised.
1: No, 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 Not out. only that, <laughs> the interviewers made made references and jokes to it. So, I I don't know. It's just dumb. And Matt Riddle is is always high. I think maybe him, Jeff Hardy, and uh, RVD need to have a bong on a pole match. <laughs> That'd instead. be
0: dope. But also like don't do that to Jeff because he can't he can't handle this fucking high y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe keep Jeff out of that match. Um, <laughs> Who do you think is gonna win between Sheamus and Riddle? Oh, long story short, Sheamus. It sucks that they've done this in Riddle. They made him into a fucking comedy character, and that's where he's going to live. And Seamus has had a good run against big, heavyweight people. And uh, I like kind of Seamus' character. I will disagree with people, the stupid bowler hat gimmick shit he's wearing. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of Clockwork Orange, mostly because it's a lot of rape. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't necessarily care for an Irish guy wearing a fucking bowler hat with suspenders. I think it's stupid. But that being said, I like Sheamus as a performer.
1: <laughs> All right, so we're going with Sheamus. All right, so then here is the tag women's championship match. Nia Jackson, and Shayna. Here, I'll just go through the three. All right, so if it's Charlotte and Bailey, if that actually does happen, they're winning. If it's Lana and Naomi, I pretty much think that Lana's going to get a pin over Nia somehow. If it's my other choice, which is Natalia and Tamina, they're losing and Shayna and I are keeping the titles. Um, those are my three scenarios. Pick one of them. What do you think, Chris?
0: Uh, bold prediction. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, that's Charlotte and Bailey walk out tag team champs. And then they split brands to go after the heavyweight championship because man, that roster needs some help. Maybe EO will be injected after this, but, uh, I would assume they would do something like that. So i mean with the Charlotte and Bailey. They're not even in the match, but that's, that's my choice.
1: Fuck it. Who cares? I get it. Trust hey, me. I, I
0: know I nailed it with the Hardy's winning the tag team titles that one time. So you maybe, did. <laughs> maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll nail this one too. We'll see.
1: All right. So here's the one that we've all been waiting for the biggest match and probably the most promising match at WrestleMania, the fiend versus Randy Orton. No dick snakes, please. Keep your projections to an all-time low. Um, I feel like it's going to start off in the audience and then go in the back and do some weird shit. But The Fiend's going to win. I don't care. I, I just, this is stupid. Maybe Randy will find wherever the fuck John Cena has been hiding out at and, 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 and free him. And then the two of them will take down The Fiend together. And then Alexa Bliss will beat them both by uh, giving them jackknife power bombs uh, into fire. Um,
0: maybe, maybe John Cena will run them both over with the Toyota super a fast and the furious style and just get out and be like, bah, bah, da, da. <laughs> I hope
1: so. I really do. Um, actually, if you want, maybe the undertaker will come and, and save Randy Orton and choke slam the fiend to hell. I don't know, man. Just this is—I don't give a
0: fuck. Shit, what's Kane guy going this week? Y'all want to talk about burn victims? <laughs> where's, where's Kane going to be? Can we see one more Kane jumping off the top rope with that higher arm, like that clothesline he does? It's so good. He rolls so perfectly every time. Let's one more of those. Less of Bray Wyatt matches. Um, man, this match is gonna suck, dude. <laughs> like I'm like sorry. I
1: said, dude. Like I said, man. A year ago, a little bit over a year ago, Randy's doing the best work he's done. His promos are on fire. can't wait he's, to see what him and Edge are gonna do. He's, he's been doing with great.
0: Wrestlers, <laughs> and we're here, and we're back at the burn victim thing. That's that's where you live. Is it even gonna be a match, or is it just gonna be one of those cinematography things? And man, like after the sting one and the the Undertaker one, I think maybe people should dial back, because I don't know how you, you're going to get there. <laughs> Me neither. Once you do it with Sting and Undertaker, the rest of it's going to be very underwhelming. And we watched the EC3 boost one. It was fine. When they tried to do like the Fight Club thing, we've watched a bunch of these. And none of them ever lived up to the original, which was like the Undertaker-Boneyard match, which is fine. And they did two on that same show. People forget about how bad the fucking Bray Wyatt John Cena one was. Um, but... We've seen a lot of these. I don't need that. I did like that they told us it was just going to be a match, but I don't believe WWE that it's just going to be a match. <laughs> when you when you burnt a man to death, I feel like there might might need to be a stip. Like at that point, don't you just do a barbed wire or inferno match or something, Dane?
1: I don't <laughs> even care. I just I hope that I hope that everyone's on fire afterwards. How everyone gets fired? That's what I hope.
0: I <sighs> hope oh, Randy Orton just like, hits him with the RKO and punts him, and that's the end of The Fiend. That's what I hope. And then I never have to deal with this dumbass storyline ever again.
1: Yep. All right, well, let's get to the match I'm actually probably, besides Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, looking most forward to. Uh, the triple threat for the WWE Universal Championship. I thought all three guys had great promos and great reasoning last night. Um, and I mean you're talking about a guy that beat cancer, a guy that beat spinal stenosis and a guy that beat CTE having a championship match, Edge in the middle, Roman's the heel, Daniel Bryan's the babyface. I still think in my head, my in my ending, like I said, I think that Edge is gonna spear Daniel Bryan, come close to taking him out. Roman Reigns is gonna spear Edge, Edge rolls out of the ring. And then Roman chokes out Daniel Bryan to just make Edge even more furious about the addition of Daniel Bryan and lead to the two of them uh, having a feud going forward. But to me, Roman Reigns is winning. He kind of needs the win. And I think this is going to be the last match. It's going to be the main event of Night 2 and the main event, if you will, of WrestleMania 37. So what do you think, Chris?
0: Here's what I have for this, and it could be completely crazy, but this is the way I would book it, is uh, Daniel Bryan, he hits the rocket kick on uh, on Reigns, and then he hits the rocket kick on, on Edge. And you have the big Daniel Bryan kick moment or whatever beforehand, maybe on both guys, he hits both rocket kicks, he goes to pin... Like, you know, he goes to pin Edge in the middle of the ring and Edge kicks out. And then right after Edge kicks out, he just gets fucking speared <laughs> and just pinned. And then as soon as that happens, instead of Roman's music hitting, you just hear done, dun, 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 done, 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 <laughs> And Brock's just standing at the stage. You already knew what it was, bud.
1: Oh, I would love that. Would definitely love that. Do you think that another Uso will be involved in this match? I, I, I'm pretty sure Jay is, but do you think Jimmy's going to show up?
0: Oh, I'm sure there'll be some fuckery for sure. Uh, for, you know, D- D- Daniel Bryan and, and Edge to overcome. I don't like that they went the Hill route with Edge on that promo. How, how did you feel about that? Did you, did you? I felt like that came off very heelish. Like yeah. this promo specifically... I mean I know that you have to try to separate the heels from the baby faces, but like um man, like you guys are comparing like body injuries to cancer, so like doesn't that actually make <laughs> doesn't that actually make Roman Reigns the baby face in this situation? Yeah, kinda. Uh, <laughs> it's like you know, one you can do something about. <laughs> the other one <laughs> it just happens. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm, I'm fucking around, but the, uh, the Edge promo in general, I'll go back and listen to it is very heelish. It is very rated R superstar Edge. So, I mean, he could pull some- Well, he even said that.
1: Way. He said it's the return of the rated R superstar.
0: Well, hopefully he likes Jaws, because he's getting speared, bro. <laughs> 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 like- I, I don't see any world where Roman doesn't walk out with the title on this one now that they made it a triple threat. he has, They have two people they can throw the blame on of not getting the job done. As soon as they made this a triple threat, which I said months ago, it's a way to get Reigns out with the title because they have something bigger for him. That's why I, I gave that Brock prediction because Brock walking down the ramp and bouncing. Now you know what SummerSlam is. And Paul
1: Heyman looking completely bewildered of what the fuck he's going to do. Pretty yeah, awesome. It'll be great.
0: Roxy, shut up. God. And also bring back Paul Ellery. Make him Brock's new manager. It'd be great.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, sure. I, I'm down for that. Maybe Dana White. Dana White will be his
1: uh, his manager going
0: forward. Oh, my God. If they could do that, that would be so amazing. Dana and Paul cutting promos on each other. It'd be so great. Well... I think that is
1: the episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, guys. Uh, enjoy WrestleMania. It's going to be a lot of fun. Me and Chris are going to be coming back to do a another episode to recap WrestleMania on both nights. Uh, probably we'll be recording it this next Tuesday. And uh, just go over it, so we'll have an extra episode next week. A lot of stuff uh, you know, has been happening uh, in the world of wrestling, so check that out. Um, I'm gonna let Chris say goodbye to everyone, and uh, yeah, that's Chris. This is your turn to say
0: goodbye to everyone. All right, really, well, it's my turn really to good say goodbye to everybody. everyone. Uh, yeah, you, you nailed it, bud. Uh, scale of one ten, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Look, everyone, have a great weekend. Don't get disturbed by any of the stuff we said on our predictions. Just watch WrestleMania and enjoy it. It's it's the it's our Super Bowl, wrestling fans. This is our Super Bowl. Everyone, get excited. Love it. Even the Bad Batches, just watch it, enjoy it. Maybe drink a couple extra beers if you need to. Uh, so that's what Stone Cold would do. So um, if, if you want to hit me on Twitter, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton. I expected another what. Didn't happen. That's okay. <laughs> what? Or, or you can hit me at dot on Facebook. Love you guys. Y'all have a great weekend. R.I.P. DMX.
1: Yes, rest and in peace, God. DMX. Uh, very, very big loss in music, just in general, man. But um, anyways, thank you guys for listening. All of our past listeners, we appreciate you, all of our new listeners. We usually do this show every Saturday and have it up the next day. For your listening pleasures, go to geekfibesnation.com, and you'll find an array of articles from different types of geek-related categories, uh, video games, movies, movies. Uh, comic books, uh, comic book movies, wrestling, uh, t- check out some of Tom Clark's articles, check out Tom Clark's main event. Uh, you can find wrestling geeks Alliance on any downloadable platform from iTunes, Stitcher to Spotify, or if you just want to Google it to find whatever platform fits your needs, just search wrestling geeks Alliance on any of those things. You'll find our shows. I'll also, also go to geek fives nation and you can join the conversation, be a part of geek fives nation. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we're on Instagram, all at Geek Fibes Nation. Thank you guys so much. You have a lovely day. Happy WrestleMania or Happel WrestleMania. Happy WrestleMania. Let the Geek Vibes be with you, and as always, peace out.
2: Uh, yeah. Another one of those. This is for my nigga Q. Down to earth. Go the peace, baby. You know how we roll. There's so many that don't know. You know what I can do my nigga kill. rest in peace baby, don't know. Don't know. You still here? We're here. what they don't know is the bullshit, the drama, the guns, the armor, the city, the farmer, the babies, the mama, the projects, the drugs, the children, the thugs, the tears, the hugs. I'm